BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, Season 1, Part 8, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord. In this podcast, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown. Since we're not doing a season wrap podcast, we invited our very own Alicia to join us for the whole episode. Yay! Now, not every... Hi. <laughs> now, not everyone might have gotten a chance to get feedback into us for this episode. I appreciate everyone who was able to, to get something to us, but still send us your takes on the next Star Wars Film Fest podcast, which we're going to be covering uh, Revenge of the Sith next month. We're going to, or no, this month, in fact, um, we're going to make sure that we have some time for any follow-up uh, emails or open issues, things that, that come up there. So we're going to have some time for that. So Send in your feedback to starwars at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website and there you can use the contact form or use the voicemail feature. There's links to all of that stuff in the show notes. You can also chat with us on our Discord server. We've got a special channel just for Ahsoka as well as a general Star Wars channel. We've got a fun and welcoming community. We're all chatting there and we look forward to seeing you. Links for feedback and the Discord server are in the show notes. Yes, and they was the, the the conversation in the Discord has been humming. It's great. A lot of really good stuff going on. In there. I, I'm not going to say it's a unified front, but it no. is certainly an active front. <laughs> yeah, but everybody's having a, you know, they're really oh, yeah, cool it's conversation. Totally. It's respectful. It's, awesome. it's cool. It's just, I think some of us have differing opinions. <laughs> and we're going to get into that. Um, by the way, if it works for you, consider subscribing to our Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get early and ad-free access to all of our podcasts, as well as a ton of other exclusive benefits. If you don't mind ads, you could always find us on all the major podcasting platforms, as well as Spotify and YouTube. We have a dedicated Star Wars feed set up, so if you're only interested in that content, you can subscribe just for that. Or you can subscribe to our main feed where we publish everything by searching for the Lorehounds in any of those platforms. 
Lastly, uh, if you could do us a favor and maybe rate and review us, uh, it really helps our visibility. And the more people that are listening to our podcasts, the more we're able to produce all the different projects that we have going on. Here's a general purpose spoiler warning. We're talking everything Star Wars that's happened up till now, not just chronologically, but, you know, anything that's been released in the Star Wars universe. We're not going to shy away from spoilers there. You know, David, you and I are not the biggest experts in Star Wars, but I think we have a love of the source material and we try to learn what we can as, you know, I've watched the Clone Wars and Rebels. You've watched Rebels and some of the Clone Wars. So mm -hmm. we're getting there. And now today we have Alicia who knows way more about Star Wars. So I think that'll be a nice addition. John, just trust in the force. Trust in the force. <laughs> this is the way. All right. This is the way. This Alicia. Is Great to have you here. Thank you so much all season long for the excellent lore bomb emails that you were, or voicemails that you were sending in for us. Um, I think it really added a lot of context for folks and a lot of really cool insights and stuff. So great to have you with us on this episode eight season wrappy type of podcast. Yeah, great to geek out about Star Wars in a longer <laughs> format. And yes. yeah, this is my second favorite character in the whole Star Wars canon. So nice, cool. So the episode seems to have the fandom in a bit of a tizzy. Uh, there are those that are, are good and happy eating a bowl of cereal. There's other folks who are upset. No, upset is the wrong word there. You know, I think a lot of people had a lot of um, expectations for this final episode. And there definitely are some plot holes and some gappages in the lineup of, of things. Um, but overall, how are you with the episode? How are you with the season? Overall, I quite like the episode. I have one significant problem that bugs me, but for the rest, for the most part, uh, I liked it. A, a lot of lore building, a lot of teasing. I did wish that we had gotten some more answers, you know, this episode and the season in general. It's like they dropped a lot of little hints, um, and I guess I'm okay with it because I know that we have at least the Thrawn movies coming, uh, like the crossover Mandalorian movie and stuff. So uh, right. hopefully a season two of Ahsoka. Right. Um, how did you feel that they handled all the lore details? There was a lot of subtle stuff in this episode that yeah. I think for some folks, they wouldn't have caught what the meanings are, but, and it's, I think it might've worked fine if you didn't know some of that stuff, but on a closer examination, there seems to be a lot threaded in here. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that uh, they gave some nice throwbacks to specific things from Clone Wars, especially about the Night Sisters, like the chant that they do when um, Morgan's given this, mm -hmm. what they called the gift of the shadows. But then, then I have little niggling questions in my mind, like, okay, so we saw, a, we saw Ventress go through that ceremony in the Clone Wars, but she already had the black markings on her face because I just assumed that was a Death Mary thing. So I have lots of little question, nitpicky questions like that, but I, okay. I can live with it. Cool, cool. John, you, <laughs> we were chatting on our, our uh, production server a little bit this morning, and you had some things to say. <laughs> you know... I'm I'm the guy who coined the cereal. Phrase. You are. I'm the you guy are. who coined put on your pajamas, get your bowl of cereal and just enjoy it as a Saturday morning cartoon. But this series trained me to think it was more than that. Uh-huh. And mm. for many episodes I thought it was more than that. 
And so for this episode to be what it was, I was very disappointed. Okay. I was I I would have put this series at like an eight out of ten before this episode. I think uh-huh. it's a six or seven out of ten after this episode. Wow. It brings it down that much for me. Wow. Because it undermines the whole series that they've that they've done certain decisions. I was so looking forward to seeing development of a low power force user of a of a not very sensitive force user sort of coming to terms with the fact that they aren't that powerful right. with the force and they they have to learn how to fight as themselves but instead they made her another vanilla force user just like everybody else so okay. yeah we're gonna do the force push mm-hmm. um not to mention that they built that up not at all before we got there and it just felt stupid to me it felt uh-huh. stupid i'm gonna be honest like i it was too silly i'm out of cereal that was way too <laughs> silly for me. Cereal. <laughs> it was goofy it made no sense and quite frankly, it makes me trust the writers less because you had Hu Yang, Ahsoka, Ezra, all basically suggesting that she is very weak in the force. You mm-hmm. know, this is yeah. these are characters that I've been told to trust, that I've been told to trust the things that come out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Hu Yang, how many thousands of years of Jedi has he counseled where he mm-hmm. can't recognize force potential in somebody? He can't say like, oh, well, they probably need a little bit more time, just like Johnny from 3000 years ago. Well, Okay, I I just I don't buy that all these people missed her potential. Mm -hmm. I just don't buy it. It doesn't make sense to me. And it makes me not want to trust the writers going forward, because I don't know if something that somebody says in episode one will be true in episode eight. Well, yeah, as far as the writers, you know, a good point was brought up on Discord that it was really just Filoni was just like, I'm going to write the whole thing and get different directors. But Mm, um, that's a good point. So, yeah, I, maybe this shows why you need somebody checking you on that right. point. <laughs> why you need a right. robust and vigorous writer's room. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's easy for a solo writer. I mean, unless you're Mike White, who's a singularity, um, and that's the, the uh, exception to the rule. The rest of us, it's easy for us to get lost in the trees. Good writers have editors. Um, photographers have editors. Uh, musicians have, you know, are right. conductors or producers or, or what have you. There are somebody else listening, watching, and mm-hmm. and giving you feedback. And if you're just in a bubble, um, you know, I'm sure even Mike White has some inputs. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, right. I know I have a friend who's fond of saying that uh, Tarantino did much better before his editor partner died uh, because there's nobody checking him anymore. Right. To, right. Mm-hmm. You know, streamlining and. Uh, get the best and even lucas famously right 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 so it's it's in the it's in the dna here i you know not not to talk about the episode or the season specifically but just to pull back a little bit and talk about this lucas lucas arts i think has a problem and these these short even though this went to eight which we understand maybe was split a little bit so that they could stretch it to eight and it was originally six they're trying to pack a lot of story into these 30 to 40 minute, 20 to 40 minute episodes, depending. And, and I understand some value of that, but then I also don't understand in this season, there are things that I can totally appreciate about. They were kind of leading us in one direction and whoop, they went back the other way. Is that a function of time, of pressure, of the studio sort of breathing down their neck? What's the production schedules? 
you know, we we hear all the time, oh, so-and-so has signed on to this project. Oh, no, that ca- that project is now canceled. Oh, that's been pushed mm-hmm. back. Oh, mm-hmm. whatever. LucasArts has a leadership problem. And it's I, I until we solve that, just like <laughs> Ahsoka solved some of her pro- internal problems, I think we're always going to end up with slightly... Um, uh, with shows that are slightly off, you know, that just don't end up being as good as we, we hope them to. I don't know. That's my, that's my personal theory right now. No, I was just going to say that's something that I see happening in a lot of companies, but what were you saying, John? You know, it's not that it's not just that this was a mediocre episode of TV, which I don't, I don't think it was a terrible episode, but I think it was a mediocre episode of TV. Mm -hmm. It's that time and time again, these shows end on a mediocre note. Right. And it's not just Star Wars. It's the MCU, too. It's the same thing. These shows are not landing for some reason. Uh, and I don't uh, know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I I don't think this ended on a mediocre note, though. Not this episode. I just have the one same major problem that you do. But I'm it didn't ruin it for me like it did for you. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I could go on on my issues. It's not just <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. <laughs> get a whole podcast yet, John. <laughs> um, I, I think that to bait us with Shin and Balin just mm-hmm. to have him literally on a cliff, a cliffhanger at the end of this season. I do wonder what they changed there after, you know, because Ray Stevenson passed away and they don't know what they're going Maybe. To, to do with that character. I, I mean, I really hope they recast. I would like to see more of that story. But I this know, is where I'm, I'm thinking that we could have gone nine, 10 episodes. I, I agree. Yeah. You know, what, what was, Always. what was the, what, what's the, I don't understand. It's not the LucasArts is famous for being way down at the level of the director and the writer and really uh, setting the parameters rather than pulling. The only person who's gotten away from that was Gilroy and Gilroy has a, a you know, a, a stature and a status uh, and a relationship with Kathleen Kennedy that I don't think a lot of other directors or writers have. He was able to, you know, he was able to be himself and not have to compromise and said, you know, you want me, you want me. If you don't want mm-hmm. me, you don't want me. Fine. Right. Um, I'm not going to compromise. And and for whatever reason, in that cir- circumstance, it worked. It just feels like everybody else is just corralled by studio as opposed to giving all creatives need um boundaries and some constraints and to, that helps focus. We understand that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when you go to a certain level that it compromises artistic vision or the ability for the artist to actually express the vision uh, but, and the writer, you know, that, that to me, and we're seeing it consistently. It's not a one-off. We keep seeing the same problem. But do Sorry. you think that, um, that Filoni didn't get to realize his full vision? I think he's getting to realize he's getting to work on his vision, but it feels to me, and this is like you were saying, you're, we, we see this in other IP, um, is that studio is uh, and corporate is coming down and pushing in the ways that they push and constrain. It's like, we got to meet timelines, we got to be under budgets, we got to, whatever their imperatives are, as opposed to something like an, an HBO, which is really dedicated to the craft of storytelling. You know, used to be at least, but yeah, they're getting a little compromised too. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, Casey <laughs> Bloys is able to you know maintain some integrity of of their bubble there. Um, but yeah, I just I I don't. 
he he he's getting to tell a story and they get awesome to- toys and doing all the stuff but it, we just see it time and time again where these real where there's interesting stuff going on but then at some point it just feels clipped or mm-hmm. undermined because of length because of episode uh, numbers because of what 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 i don't know what but we keep landing on our face rather than landing on our feet I'm not going to let Dave off here, David. Um, I think that sure, sure, I think that enough. Dave Filoni made some Filoni, decisions Filoni. here that were, yeah, uh, his cowboy hat is responsible for them. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that we can put this firmly on the feet of Kathleen Kennedy. No, well, I'm one, not saying. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, sure, saying just in large the the, sure, bo- the corporate sure. body at large. I don't want to. I don't know yeah. specifics. This is this is something that I want to discuss on our December second breakfast when we talk about the year. Is have we gotten too attached to the eight episode season because we uh-huh. went down and down and down from twenty two, twenty four episodes. Right now we're all the way down to eight. It's a little bit of flexibility. Six. Foundation had ten. Right. I I think that we're getting too attached to fewer episodes. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's I think that it should be more like the Tony Gilroy thing of do what you need to do. But they obviously spent so much money on each episode this season. So, you know, I understand. I like, you know, I obviously I would, I love that they're doing longer seasons uh, again of some things like uh, Daredevil is going to be 18 episodes and or really? 12. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, I appreciate that how expensive making this kind of high fantasy television is. And, sure. um, doing these shorter seasons allows them to yes make those awesome purgles and you know sure, mm-hmm. sure. i right. guess i guess the question is are you spending your time that you your limited time that you have on right important things right that's and yeah that's true yeah um i don't think that you know i'm, I'm gonna steal something from the midnight boys i was listening to them this morning and <laughs> the I, mid boys I wanted, are spicy boy. i wanted a taste of something because i was so like hot about this episode <laughs> and i listened That's to the whole thing sauce. because i just it was cathartic and uh i want to applaud them for being very <laughs> blunt about it um but are you in charles's said, camp which i completely agree with is the fight scenes had no emotional component. There was hmm. no, there was no like, like Morgan means nothing to me. I don't care if she lives or dies. Right. And that was not an emotional scene to me. Zombie night troopers are not emotional enemies to me. Like, but they're fun enemies. But like you had Balin there, just like I, and again, yeah. this is something that the Midnight Boys were saying, and I completely agree with them. You have interesting villains. You did not use them in the finale. You couldn't even have Shin just be like, I'll prove myself for the Empire. Great. That's a character moment. I just don't get it. I just yeah. don't get it. But I do Why did we spend so much time on these big fight scenes, these big spectacles, when it was just the same thing repeated? Okay, we're in a hallway. Also, Tell me that Ahsoka can't just guard that hallway as one person with two lightsabers and a straight line of people, right? I mean, the staircase, yeah. she could have just held that on her own. Meanwhile, we have the struggle of of Sabine and Ezra trying to do it with her. I, I didn't, a lot of the fighting didn't make sense to me, and I just, I did not understand. I, I have to say in the episode's favor is as much as I've loved Shin and Balin all season, and they've been like my, well easily my favorite uh, new characters introduced in a while. I f- kind of forgot about them th- for most of the episode until they showed up at the end. So that's a compliment that I was okay. immersed. Take it in. Right. Yeah. So question for you then, John is uh, granted there are criticisms 
um, everything from small nits to like, oh boy, that was, you know, we're not, we didn't jump the shark there. We jumped a chimera, right? There's some, you know, a lot of I'm, I'm going to call it jumping the gap, which is yeah, jumping the, the, gap. the new thing with, uh, with, uh, you know, force pushing over the gap. Right. Into, uh, um, into the ship. Did, so, so, it, uh, the, the, the episode had issues for you. It was, you know, it, in, and it was unfortunate that it was a season, uh, with a question mark, a season wrap up, uh, episode, because we don't have any hard news as, as to what next. So th- that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a little bit annoying. The season overall episode eight plus everything else. Are you, does it still rate with you well enough in the television canon? to be a, a fond memory or are you just still a little bit did somebody um, uh... I like I like parts of it mm-hmm. I think that overall as an arc it didn't work I think that it didn't glue together when you are constructing a season your finale has to be king right your first mm-hmm. and last episodes mm-hmm. are the most important and if you don't nail those you're gonna have an issue especially the finale the, the a bad pilot as long as people stick around, as long as it's not bad enough to like scare people off, you'll survive that. But a bad finale, and that's what people remember for the two years it takes you these days to make mm-hmm. season two. And right. that's a problem for this show because I'm seeing – look, I see a lot of people love it, and I'm glad, and I'm not here to sour yeah. your day. Um, I'm just like – for me, I would rate this below pretty much everything except Book of Boba Fett on the Star Wars live wow. action okay. stuff. I would wow. rate Obi-Wan higher than this. I wow. liked Obi Wan though, but I like this even better. Me too. I did like Obi Wan. I thought it had a lot of issues, but it mm. was it mm. was fun, and I thought that it had a better character arc. It had a better overall story arc than okay. this did, because I did not feel satisfied at the end of this. I did not feel like we got anywhere with the characters, and quite frankly, we've reversed the stakes of Rebels. We sent Thrawn and Ezra back the way we sent them away at the end of Rebels. It feels like another. Uh, we did, didn't we? Back. Yeah, yeah. Palpatine's lo- back. Somehow he returned. Yeah. Somehow Thrawn returned, and with Ezra, but the exact same people he left with. But a lot of people liked the um, symmetry of you know them sort of swapping places, uh, Ezra and Sabine and Ahsoka. I am very happy for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're and not. I am not with them. <laughs> no, really. Um, look, if you love this, I I hope you have a great time. And you have David seems to have liked it quite a lot more than me. Uh, Alicia, you seem to have liked it quite a bit more than me. Yeah. Um, I will be uh, the black sheep on this pod. <laughs> I'm, and I'm fine with that. I'm OK sure. with it. Sure. And and you're coming from a place of, damn it, I want good Star Wars. <laughs> right? right. That's yeah. the like, commitment I that I hear in your universe. Voice. Yeah. I love exactly. this universe. And I just don't want any more goofy shit in it. Just like <laughs> write the damn show the right way. And look. <laughs> It's not that I went in with any expectations. I really didn't. Like, I didn't. I had no idea what was going to happen in this finale, and I loved that. Mm-hmm. And I went in with with on, only hope, really, a new hope. Mm-hmm. And I came away just being like, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. And that's that feels bad to me. Like, that feels right. like my friends doing badly because you know I love show- Star Wars. You know, when a show breaks an audience into pretty much two camps, you know, I, I'm in the, I, I liked the deeper, there, there's some deeper story level stuff that's going on in terms yeah. of forgiveness and wholeness and all of that kind of stuff. I was down for all of that. And, and the, the plot action stuff didn't break it for me, but then like looking on our discord, 
and it it seems like people are breaking you know one side or the other you know sort of in this general vibe of yeah we liked it and it was good and there was some really great stuff and you know whatever varying degrees and then the other side which is wow that the plot holes and and the this and the did they actually earn the the force use by Sabine and all of these kinds of things? And you know a show, when a show does that, when it polarizes its audience, that it was not a triumph by, mm-hmm. you know, you, we cannot call I it a triumph. Know. We can call I'll it a success and we can enjoy it. But, but a, a triumph is when everybody, I think, is on, on one side. Sorry. But isn't discussion a good thing? It is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I was surprised that a lot of people didn't seem to be bothered by the whole uh, force force prodigy thing. Um, a, a lot of people were defending it and and explaining why it worked for them. So, yeah, I, I felt um, the Discord skewed pretty positive to me. So yeah. it's just the you know the what I'm just sort of looking out and and seeing when people it's not like. Uh, everybody is congregating around. Oh yeah, we loved it. And we're, there's there's vigorous conversation on both sides. Why we liked it and why we didn't mm-hmm. like it. And when you see that, then that for me indicates okay, they they missed something. You know, something didn't didn't go the way that the writers had hoped. Maybe so. And that happens. I see we see it from time to time on episodes and in seasons where it's like, whew, there's a big split, right? Yeah, and and, and I was saying to Alicia earlier today. I loved the foundation season finale that a lot of people didn't. So right, exactly. I've been on the other side go. of the fence. Right. And so that's why I don't want to sour this for anybody. If you liked it, I don't listen to me and like be convinced <laughs> that it's bad. Just enjoy it. Um, and I've, and, and I think we're, as we go through the episode breakdown, the scene by scene there, we're going to have conversations about good stuff and interesting stuff. There's story. Yeah. I like stuff. parts right. of it. Yeah. I thought the night sister stuff was cool and things like that. I, and Thrawn still being a badass. I just, it didn't it didn't tie up the season for me. And that's just sure. that feels like a shame to me, but I, I'm still gonna watch season two. I'm yeah, still gonna watch the, the Dave Filoni movie. <laughs> like what what am I getting? Am I out on Star Wars? Of course I'm not. Right. It's just yeah. But John, are you um curious to continue these stories? Like, do you want to know what Balin is after, uh, what he was doing? Yeah, yeah, I do. Especially the Balin stuff. I mean, we got the tease of the father, son, and daughter. Right. I mean, that's great. I loved the Mortis arc, and that's mm-hmm. another divisive arc in Star Wars. Um, I and, I, and I love the world between worlds and all that. So it's I'm really into the mystical side of it. I thought that was the best part of the show, hands down, is these dives into mystical parts of Star Wars. And they just didn't give me enough in the end. They needed something more with Balin, right? They, we needed five to ten more minutes more with that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I just don't know at all what he's doing so i needed i needed at least more of a clue than we got in my in my summation of the the episode and the season i can see all the you know what people are pointing to as as you know failures or falling down parts of the plot where things didn't connect for people i i get all that i was attracted to other things that were going on in here so I just got lucky, I guess, in the sense that my verisimilitude didn't get broken by some of the silly stuff. But my one complaint, my absolute one actual complaint is that same thing that you, you know, that you're just saying that Balin and Shin were just left there when they were some of the most interesting and compelling characters that we have been introduced to in Star Wars in a long time. Right. And they just left them 
and we have no news. We there's there's no development. Even like you said, John, even just a few more moments, a hint at what you know of him encountering <laughs> what he was searching for, or just something there there. So that's my one complaint. I'm sorry. I just I just thought of this is this is what it is for me. It's Bran in Game of Thrones going. I have to go now, right in the middle of the <laughs> night fight. <laughs> That's what that was for me. Is just mm-hmm. now let's nope out. We built up to this all season. Right. I have Shoot. to go now. Right. I do okay. wonder. I do wonder what changes might have been made at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope I hope some rumors leak out because I'm curious. Yeah, were have there you, like reshoots that they needed to do for those scenes and they mm, couldn't? I, I don't know. You're, that's a good point, Alicia. I didn't consider that. And that's, I'll I'll excuse the absence of Balin and Shin. Mm. Have we, do we have any hard news about what's next? Has anybody heard anything? I mean, I've seen a couple of articles, but no, it's like these AI generated articles that say nothing. <laughs> no hard, no hard news. I mean, we know skeleton key crew is on this timeline, but uh, that's I'm presumably going to take place in the other galaxy, in the main galaxy. Um, right. So, and it's probably going to be a while before we hear from these stranded characters again. Okay, I, I think could this be how they excuse Ahsoka's absence from the uh, sequel trilogy? Mm. Like, could it be that long? Mm. And we only get them back in like. The you know the Ray Jedi school movie, and Skeleton Crew has been uh, pushed to twenty twenty four. Okay, yes. So I have something else to complain about. Okay, <laughs> we need to recast Luke, Leia, and Han. And yes. we already have Han. Just take we him. Have Han. Just yeah, keep, he's great. Keep him. Right. Uh, we need to recast them. It is agreed. Dumb. It is dumb to have C three PO come in and go. Senator Organa sends regards. Like, come on, <sighs> just. You're just gonna every time you need to allude to a character, you have to. Oh, they're right over there. They just went to the bathroom. You you missed them. It's um, it's gonna I, be goofy yeah. after a while, and you're you're getting into plot lines. If Thrawn is back, obviously Luke Skywalker would have known who Thrawn was. If Thrawn is back and Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Leia Organa are not involved with dealing with him, that will be a failure of continuity. That will not, that doesn't, this, the original story was about that trio and we need them there if it's 10 years after and there's this returning threat that they already faced. I I don't see these people sitting out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the C-3PO thing was cute and worked once, but if they started, if they over rely that, it starts to become obvious, you know, that we're dancing Oh, she's on vacation. Right. Yeah, it's just... (laughs) She just uh, she's at the left. tailor. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. I'm I'm just over it. I just want them to do it already. I don't there honestly, when I look at the fandom, I know that there's toxic corners of the Star Wars fandom where people are like anything that wasn't in no, the original trilogy. I hate. <laughs> but the most the most vocal parts I see are actually in support of recasting. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know what the hesitation is. I think Part of well, it this, is they this see goes that to, this, this yeah. goes to to um, uh, I think an entrenched interest, and I'm not just talking about one person, but a whole you know cadre of people at Lucasfilm who are afraid. They're they they are there's you know certain thing you know power and bureaucracy will tend to try to support itself over time, right? And mm-hmm. and you want to hold on to what you have and protect what you have. 
And I think they're afraid of making these kinds of decisions. And rather than being creative visionaries and, and actual like Hollywood people who are out to make deals and spark interest and tell stories and light the world on fire, this is, a, this is how corporations work, which is to, um, you know, set up in a, in a kind of a defensive you know, position and hold on to what you have for as long as you can, because you know the end is coming for you and for your company, ultimately, right? Things, things ultimately shift. And, and that's at odds. And this is where I think the, the corporate structure and money that has come into Hollywood versus a, a different eras of Hollywood, where there were people who were on fire and they were out to make deals and, and really do stuff and, and live a, and, you know, promote creativity and live creative lives as opposed to a corporate executive who just wants to ride their gig until they hit their options and their, their 401ks and, and, you know, their golden parachutes. And so I think it's antithetical to the creative process to be, you know, you, you got to have good business practices. I'm not arguing against that, but when corporations are sitting on this way, it does, it doesn't promote creativity. You recast Luke and put him in a movie, and I'll go see it five fucking times in the theater, Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, come on. I'm I'm, I'm here to throw my money at you. Yeah. And so is most of the fandom. I don't I think that it's a crappy business decision. How how long are you going to right, withhold exactly. these characters the, that people love? Yeah. But I th- I think that um the box office, you know, show didn't do well for solo, but I think that had more to do with the sequel trilogy and the yes, fatigue. That was of- backlash mm-hmm. from The mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Which I liked The Last Jedi. I'm a Last Jedi apologist. No, me okay. too. Okay. We gotta have you on our Star Wars film fest for The Last Jedi, Alicia, because I need <laughs> <Yeah>. an ally. <laughs> no, I, I mean I and I'm also I'm a I mean, I'm not like a Raylo Raylo, but I am pro Raylo. So yeah, I, I think that, okay, we cannot relitigate the sequels right here, but I think that... <laughs> we have a whole film, I, we have a whole side show for that. <laughs> I, I do think that making Kylo the villain of the last movie would have been much better, and then exploring his relationship with Rey and, you know, the darkness within her, that's an interesting story that they just chose not to tell. Right, right. yeah, because that's where it seemed to be going in The Last Jedi, and that was one of the things that made it interesting. Agreed. Um, but yeah, but I think they, at the time they were releasing suddenly a movie every year, which was exciting, but then it also the, the, the fatigue does set in for fandoms where we want to be spoiled, but then we get overwhelmed. Right. Right. It's but the same we, thing in Marvel, right? There's a debate right, right now. Is it, is it burnout? I'm burned out, but I wasn't really that burned in at, at any point. So <laughs> I, I think I don't count, but, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You have these, these franchises and. You have a balance between writers who truly love the characters and want to make the most out of these stories. And want to say something with those right. characters. They want to right. put them into positions and and set up conflicts and and create drum, uh, you know, drama versus a corporation that says, oh, we want to play it safe and appeal to the widest box office possible and, and to make sure that we quadruple our money or whatever. Those are two right. inherently different imperatives. Mm-hmm. And then you have the executives who say, well, Sabine will have a blaster and a lightsaber, which are two toys we can sell people. So um, (laughs) I loved that. I loved that, though. (laughs) Yes, that is. Yeah, no, I I do like that, too. I think that's um, that's also a thing in the Jedi Survivor game is they're like, oh, they're going to have a Jedi do a blaster now. So, yeah, that's that's a a coming thing, which I like a lot. But in general, I think that um, if I'm going to be a cynic about it, more Jedi, more Force users, more people to sell action figures for 
is better for their bottom line. They sure. probably think. Yep. Sure. Um, and just leaning on Luke, everybody's got a Luke toy already, so don't need to sell any more of those. Time for Lothcat toys. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy one. I'd buy yeah. one. I'd do a Lego set of a Lothcat. That'd be pretty cool. A Lego set. I, do, I would definitely get like a plush. Yeah. All right. Well, well let's uh, <laughs> take a break. And then when we come back, we can get into our episode. We've got a scene by scene breakdown and we can get into some of the details. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we're back. Okay, does everybody have a fresh bowl of cereal? Are we ready for our episode breakdown? Uh, <laughs> my pajamas are in is the out. wash. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of cereal. Did you like the gif I posted for in our yeah, chat yeah, yeah, the other day? The somebody pouring cereal and milk into somebody else's <laughs> open mouth. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, eat it in eat it in parts. <laughs> you'll eat it and you'll like it. <laughs> yes. Okay, we open with the chimera resting on the plinth of the great mothers and Good the word. night. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and of the night troopers loading the remaining cargo, Thrawn schools Morgan on the mistakes of underestimating heroic Jedi. Morgan receives the gift of the shadows and the blade of Talzin from the great mothers. Uh, Alicia, when I saw this scene, when, when we got into the great mother stuff, I, all, all I was thinking was you. And I was just thinking yeah. how much you were loving the scene. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it, it was cool to see um, how they're tying Morgan more into this because, you know, she's this odd human out. Uh, so then, but it also raised more questions. Uh, uh-huh. But it was also, it was, um, ye, as long as they do get answered, I just want to know that Filoni is thinking about these questions. Okay. Um, but the Blade of Talzin was great to see. That belonged to Mother Talzin, who is Darth Maul's mother, mother and uh, the leader of the um, of the Night Witches during the Clone Wars. Uh, yeah. So, and how did they get it? Did they did they call it all the way to their galaxy? That is a the... very. This is one of these very interesting questions. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I loved this. Eat scene. your cereal. That was really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I thought this was a great scene. So mm. I'm, I I'll compliment this scene. Here's here's my positivity. I thought this was very cool. I really liked Thrawn saying, you know, I was victim to a heroic Jedi, a single heroic mm-hmm. Jedi. Stop underestimating them. Great villain. Because unlike Palpatine, he's not cocky. Unlike Palpatine, he right. is taking this threat very seriously. And that's very interesting to me because it's something new. Unlike, okay, I'm done. David? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll have a, I have one uh, nit to pick here. Why didn't they bring the Eye of Scion down earlier? So the moment the last trooper was across the little bridge, they were out of there. But you know, whatever. I'll, I mean, so I guess see the flux could capacitor they, doesn't work like that. Yeah, you they gotta, can't bring it into the gravity that. field, you know. Exactly. So what is this cargo? When we had uh, last episode, we had like a little digital schematic. I actually paused the screen, counted all the little spots that they were counting up. And I was like, oh, just 108 of them. And then later in this scene, we've got them looking down over the cargo hold. And it is a lot. It is a crap ton of these things. 
what are they? That's like a big question mark, obviously. Well, the interesting thing that was revealed this episode is Ezra mentioned that Thrawn woke up the Great Mothers. Yes. So it makes me wonder if these are more Night Sisters who are sleeping. Mm, I think Marilyn in her uh, feedback says something about that. I think that might have been some chatter in the Discord about this this question. Yeah, I mean, I thought at first that they were, you know, just corpses that were going to be used for zombie battle, but uh, mm-hmm. we got that anyway elsewhere. So, I guess one other uh, disappointment that I had—it's not a complaint as much as a d- disappointment—we never really really got to see Enoch do his thing. Yeah. Yeah, why why did you cast West's Chatham if you're going to disguise his voice and face? <laughs> yeah, and just, a bit of a waste he, of a cast, yep. yep. Yeah, and he just kind of walks in and does his report and then walks away. It's uh, yeah. I have to hope, the story's not over. I have to hope that sure. um, there's a reason why they specifically went for, you know, a known actor. Right, and it was exciting to even just to have a trooper with this armor and, and, and this name, right. It was, it was exciting to, to be introduced to him, but then we didn't mm-hmm. get anything. So, um, it's more than Merrick, I guess. Yes. <laughs> more than Merrick. Um, Claudia black. Do you know, uh, Alicia, do you know Claudia black or John? Do you know this actress? No, I don't. She is the great mother, the, the primary right. great mother. And she is, a. a been a long time. She's a sort of a fan favorite actor. She was in Farscape, Stargate, a bunch of other stuff. And I, I didn't know who this uh, actor was until I caught something on a you know a head, you know a news story or some website or something that it was her. And then I couldn't stop seeing her uh, in this <laughs> role. But I think she just did a great job. I did, the Night Sisters were a really cool addition for this whole season. I really loved everything that they were giving with that. Yeah, I thought she she was unrecognizable. Totally. So compliments to the costuming and makeup. Absolutely. Um, The final thing for me on this scene was it it really, this whole scene super excited me, especially at the end when we've got the klaxons blaring that, you know, that very empire sound. And Thrawn is framed by the two TIE fighters dropping down and launching. I was just like, ooh, I got super excited. And then, yeah, then we had the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the, a great start to the episode. It got me. Yeah. yeah. The music and the sound editing uh, has been great in general. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So then we get the title card, the Jedi, the witch and the warlord. Obviously a take on the lion, the witch and the wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, which um, if for those that don't know, it's a portal fantasy. I didn't realize it's, that portal fantasy was a... <laughs> Well, it's the start of the Chronicles of Narnia. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably the most well-known of that series, right. which yep, uh, yep, were definitely. written by C.S. Lewis uh, and published in the 50, in 1950. Notably made it- Tolkien furious because it had Santa Claus in it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Did make him furious. That's funny. Um, did anybody have, I, I can't, I couldn't figure out why, why? the title had this construction. I, I mean, I guess it's like this, uh, they're calling this other galaxy Narnia in a way, or there seems to be a lot of teasing about the Balin, you know, arc, where that's going. And is he going back to Mortis okay. or something like that? Or is this linked to the world between worlds mm. and this, and this dream world that the great mothers have been talking about communicating through? Okay. 
All right. So this por- this portal thing, right? The in right. line which of the wardrobe, the famous thing is the wardrobe acts as a portal to magic. Yeah, and like a fantastical other world. Got it. But this was very not fantastical. <laughs> One thing I want to say about the Mortis stuff is that and and rather the world between worlds stuff is it would not make sense to me that Lothal was the only place you can access this extra dimension. Right. Mm, so right. I'm totally for this being an alternate way to the world between worlds. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's why I was so disappointed we got none of it. That's so I, I really wanted it. Right, right. Have I, either of you caught this news that Greta Gerwig is signed up for a couple of films with Netflix to do some Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe stuff? I caught that when I was doing my research today, but I don't really have any specific information. I'll buy yeah. it when I see it. Everybody's attached to everything, and then it doesn't happen. That's yeah, what I um, keep seeing. <laughs> I mean, she she's on a high after Barbie, of course. For so, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I would I would like to see it, even though you know I'm kind of sick of constant remakes. But this is one of my favorite series growing up. So, um, mm. I loved and I loved the British adaptation uh, when I was a kid, and I like the new movies decently enough. So, but I, I think Greta Gerwig could really get in touch with you know the human side of the story mm-hmm. cool well we'll keep an eye out for it and we'll see what happens all right uh, ahsoka and the crew escort the naughty foreshadowing uh, of some of what's to come with uh, ahsoka and uh, sabine in Huyang's workshop ezra constructs a new lightsaber and learns that Huyang knew ezra's master kenan jarris and Hyung ah, ah now I'm now my brain my mouth is broken. <laughs> Huyang fills in Ezra about Operation Cinder. Yeah, this was the best scene in the episode <laughs> because of the Kane and Jarrus reference. Or was well, it David no, Tennant? It was, it was David. And Tennant, they called him Caleb Dune too, so we got double right. the ref. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't just that. It was it was just this whole. It just felt like a rite of passage for Ezra, you know, actually mm-hmm. getting guided by it. Like, it, it was so nice to see a new Jedi get to build his lightsaber with the master, with who, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I I love the subtle dig at Sabine when he goes, you were a good student, you know, just right. <laughs> to Ezra. <laughs> nice little dig at Sabine. And, right. and it was it was really great. I It was just heartwarming and. It, it hit all the right notes for me. And as, as, as Alicia said, does not make sense that for he the got crystal. a kyber crystal. But right. And that that see, that's this is the problem is, you know, a lot of these a lot of the episodes I don't like. I watch them again and I like them better. This one, mm-hmm. the more I scrutinize it, the less I like it because details like that, you know, the kyber crystal, not just that you know, a fact like, oh, they have to go find a kyber crystal. But that's a huge part of a Jedi's journey of building the lightsaber is the crystal calls out to you. You go to a special location. The crystal calls out to you. You pick a crystal that kind of picks you too. And it's part of this magical moment that's mystical and forcey. And just to take that away from this situation and have it just be like, oh, oh, he made a lightsaber and make it very nonchalant and mechanical. Yeah, Yeah, mundane. That's the right word. Yeah, I really didn't like that in retrospect. But I really liked the scene with the dialogue. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the scene fair. worked as a as you know in a vacuum. That scene works. When I think about it more, it didn't work. 
Yeah, but I do now picture, you know, something like Loki season one where there you just see a drawer of infinity stones and it's to prove <laughs> that they mean nothing. Like, that was like the vibe I was getting from, does Hu Yang just have a drawer of crystals? Right, right. Spare crystals, maybe yeah. it's just a, a functional thing. But of course, Hu Yang does have a a system as opposed to Ezra having a method or a process. I thought that was was a little interesting dig. Uh, And I loved it when his eyes narrowed and he says, I Mm -hmm. have a system. (laughs) (laughs) David Tennant's been on point all season long. I I don't know. Yeah, John, you must be pretty happy. Oh, I love David Tennant. I'll watch him all day. I will watch David Tennant media all day. He can do no wrong. And are we are we in a collective agreement that Hu Yang's been a great addition for the into the canon into the TV canon? What what a yeah what a pleasant surprise that he was included in this series, not just like included as a cameo or even like on a hair level, but really one of the main players. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah. he was in Clone Wars too, to be clear. He, yeah, he's not but, new if, to, no, but, but for live, live action. action. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was so. just making sure sure we were on the same page with with David. Because I know, I know, Alicia, you know, you you are more familiar with the Clone Wars stuff than I am. It, it is. I mean, I love Rebels, but I love Clone Wars even more. But yeah, my two favorite uh, characters are Ventress and Ahsoka. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, I, I, I have I have varying feelings on the two series. I think Clone Wars has higher highs, but right. Rebels has a more, more consistent, yeah, yeah, a more consistent good. And I think that Rebels really shines in character development, which is my biggest thing I like in shows. And so I think I think Rebels kind of ekes out over Clone Wars for me sometimes. I understand. So let's talk really quick about this uh, quote that um, I, we plucked out of for Hu Yang's uh, from his dialogue. The relationship between a master and apprentice is as challenging as it is meaningful. And then we get some information about uh, what happened with Sabine's family and, you know, some source of the tension between Ahsoka and Sabine. And this question of if Sabine unlocked her potential, she would become dangerous. So that made me think, wait a minute, did Ahsoka then see a potential in Sabine that even Sabine couldn't see or feel herself or other people could see or feel because if she's um, if Ahsoka has this fear that, you know, which is her own fear that some personal tragedy is going to lead Sabine down a darker path, which right, that, that mirrors and echoes Anakin's path and, and what she sort of dealt with. What was she seeing in Sabine or was aware of or touches, you know, what th- this conversation touches on what was really going on. There's actually something, I think, more there than than what we've gotten in the story itself. Do you guys see what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, no I, I see what you're saying. I, I guess the question, if I'm going to boil it down, is why now? Why is it different mm-hmm. now? And Be- I'm baffled by that. World between worlds. No, I mean, I mean, why, why is it different after Sabine steals a map and acts like a brat? Why is she suddenly ready for training? 
but I think it's because um, Ahsoka realized, you know, that Ahsoka, I, I, this is something Anakin might have done. This is something Ahsoka herself might have done. And Ahsoka was reminded with that experience of the world between worlds um, of that and of the importance of if Ahsoka really wants to stop Sabine from falling to the dark side, then she needs to be there and supporting her as a master, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I totally get that. I mean, even before The World Between Worlds, between the start of the series and The World Between Worlds, what was it that made her resume Sabine's training? Um, Hera told her to go look her up. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Uh, So Mm. it was a little bit of a mechanical thing rather than a... um, But if you're so uh, afraid that someone is going to go to the dark side that you won't train them, just because your friend gives you a nudge, you're going to do it. I just, this is what I mean is like well, the character moment didn't tie together. The motivations don't tie together for me. She went for technical help and then they sort of fell into their old relationship, which was right. unresolved. And then for me, one of the things that I've, I've liked this entire season is this very, very subtle. And, and I agree that it, it's, it's maybe, maybe it's a little too subtle. I don't know how else they could have played it, but of, of Ahsoka trying to find this wholeness and this, um, healing so that she can get out from under her own, the shadow of her fear of, am I tainted? Right. Um, is, is Anakin's influence in me? Could I go that way? Could I could I resist? Sure. It? Could sure. I be pulled into it? And if I train somebody else, like a Grogu or a Sabine, will that pass through me to them? And then for her to go from you know Ahsoka the Gray to Ahsoka the White, all of this stuff is is what I have been enjoying uh, out of this season. The thing that I I'm still hung up on is is if Ahsoka was afraid uh, to teach Sabine. She's teaching somebody who has potential, but all story long, they've been telling us that Sabine has no potential. Well, yeah, that's the crux of all of our problem, I think. (laughs) Right, exactly. Is, uh, you know, how many many experts in the force have to say that somebody doesn't have potential before it's just the showrunners lying to us, right? If if they're going to reverse that, if they're going to flip on the force switch in the last second, that just feels dishonest to me. Mm. That feels like a... I, I'm going to use emotionally charged words here because I mean them because it's an emotional <laughs> show. Um, it feels like a betrayal of the audience, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like you are being you are being you're treating my intelligence as inferior the, that that you're telling me all these people, these experts in this area, this guy who has thousands of years of experience can't tell that this person has potential. But oh. At the very moment that she needs it, she'll succeed right. with the tool she failed with at the beginning. So Whoa. maybe yeah. if we had, oh, go ahead, Alicia. Sorry. No, I was going to say the thing that bothers me the most about it is that I was looking forward to Sabine's being sort of like the every person who mm. can find their own path, even right. though they have a limited potential in a certain area. Right. And to be like, oh, no, just kidding. She just needed to unlock the magic. Then I don't know. I feel like that doesn't help viewers at home with their own struggles where they're mm. trying to, uh, you know, chip away, do that. What is that? 10,000 hours or whatever. Right. I think maybe, well, I mean the, the whole jumping on the, onto the star destroyer at the end, like that's, that's yeah, there's, there's the issue there, but like maybe 
a little bit more subtler movements. Uh, maybe the death trooper had her down and she was just reaching out and you know, the lightsaber only had to move a millimeter into her exactly. hand or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, or yeah. we had a little but, tremble, something, you know, the coffee cup jiggled a little bit or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. No. The, yeah. I think that's the problem a- is you can say, and I've, I've heard this argument in our discord server of, Oh, well she shows progress throughout the season. You know, she had the call. She didn't with, show any progress. With, well, I know <laughs> one, they're <laughs> one. saying, Oh, well, well they, all right, here's what the I, argument is. Light, she was training for a long time. She was training yeah. for a long time. So obviously something's going to work eventually. First of all, I don't think that's true. If you don't got sure. it, you don't got it. That's what I've been told about star Wars and the force forever. If you don't have the M count. Now. You don't have the M count. <laughs> you don't got it. You don't got it. And look, I don't need, I don't need an exact M count. Right. <laughs> but I, I I need to know that there are limits to this power. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's a meaningless magic system. Right. Um, secondly, when you, you know, Alicia, you brought up the 10,000 hours things, which, by the way, is bullshit from Malcolm Gladwell. And everyone should undo that from their brain. But um, <laughs> anyway, the Malcolm Gladwell is full of shit. We could talk about that on another podcast. Um, but anyway. Anyway, You're spicy today, John. You I like can't, it. I am spicy. <laughs> I I am. I have some more free time, so I've slept a little bit more, and now my, uh, my spice level is why. my why. spice level is over nine thousand. So you can't do nine hundred nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine hours and suck at the activity, and then at, and you then, hit the yeah. ten thousand hour, and oh my god, I'm a master. That's not how that works. It's gradual. Right. It is re- exactly. repetition. It is repeated success repeated failure it's learning from your failures yeah failure what the hell did she learn Mm. yeah i would have found it more meaningful if indeed if i i didn't i know john you weren't as bugged by her having the lightsaber jump into her hand but i would have found it more meaningful if indeed it had been like more along with the lines of what david said where it just went a millimeter and it's like (gasps) you know the payoff okay okay but we're rewriting the show here, so you no, know, I know, we got to deal with the show. We Guilty. can do that. I mean, it's our podcast. We can have fun yeah. rewriting the show. Uh, I do want to um, highlight this statement, though. The relationship between a master and apprentice is as challenging as it is meaningful. I think that's a thesis statement of this right. series. Um, and that's one, something that uh, is at the core of what uh, Filoni has been trying to tell us in this story. Outside right. of all of the other, you know, issues we may have, that this master-apprentice relationship is uh, is something that's important, and we're exploring and we're talking about it. So that was the title of the pilot. It's true, wasn't it? Master and apprentice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good call. All right. Uh, Sabine and Ahsoka talk. Sabine tells Ahsoka that she is sorry, but Ahsoka acknowledges her gamble and forgives her. Filoni reminds us through Ahsoka what being a Jedi means, and Ezra joins just as they are attacked by TIE fighters. And what I mean by that, what Filoni is reminding us uh, of what being a Jedi means is this idea of train the mind, train the body, trust in the force. Being a Jedi is not about wielding a lightsaber. Um, It's more than just being a lightsaber. It's these other components. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if you guys agree with that or not but that's i just really heard very clearly like again going along with the master and apprentice thing i think filoni's trying to re communicate to us what his opinion is about what a jedi is okay okay i agree that being a jedi is not about the lightsaber and Mm -hmm. i and i like that idea and i like some of the seasonings he's cooking with here i just think that the meat went bad 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but can you can we can we appreciate the the conversation that Floney is trying to have here about the this idea of what a Jedi yeah. should be yeah. focusing yes. on? I yeah, th- and I that's think... something I think he's been having for decade a decade now. You know, sure. throughout his animated series. At least you were going to say something. No, I, I think that that is. I also take that from the original um, trilogy. You know that mm-hmm. that's what that's what people why people fall in love with it because they are literal social justice warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, right. Yeah. And this idea that um, you, this idea of of training the mind and training the body and then bringing that together in a in a whole in a wholeness and that really goes into all the mystical, you know, that, that brings in mysticism. It brings in sort of a martial arts vibe. It sort of brings in a, uh, this idea of, of social justice warrior, you know, not in the modern context, but of right. sort of being a, you know, a white hat, you know, uh, uh, character in your, the fantasy of your own life. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and to be clear, yeah. They had Luke learn the ultimate lesson at the end of the original trilogy, which is that attachment isn't the problem, it's the solution. And then right. he forgot right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> totally forgot. Whoopsie daisy. Right. This, um, th- I love this line here uh, that Sabine sort of goes through. She says, uh, you know, have you been keeping up with your training? I try. I do. I do. She like turns. She's self-reflective in the moment. And this was another moment that caught me. Um, as well as uh, Ahsoka coming around and committing to Sabine. I think something that was missing in the relation in their relationship was that Ahsoka was not a hundred percent her master. She was one foot out. And so she wasn't able to give Sabine the support Sabine needed to get into her potential. And it's at that moment when Ahsoka does commit to her. When, when not only is Sabine honest, she apologizes. She, you know, she kind of says, oh, I try. And then she's like, no, that's bullshit. I do. I, I am mm-hmm. keeping up with that. You know, maybe I'm not doing the best I could do it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> that, was, that was your read? Because for me, it was the answer to the dentist when they ask if you floss every day. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That's, I that's do. kind of, yeah, I, I try. I do. Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah, it felt very like, or like I when I used to take piano lessons as a kid, and I didn't want to practice. <laughs> Did you practice right. this week? I try, I try. Yeah. It was very like, yeah, trying to hide behind some soft language over there. Exactly, and and I think I think she, I think the point is is that they're both trying to get to a place of authenticity so that they can actually be wholly in their master and apprentice relationship. Because if either of them are out, they're being self protective then it's not going to go well, right? And that, and you're not going to get yeah. results and you're not going to get it, uh, advancement. We also have some conversation here about um, Anakin as a good master who stood by Sabine um, in Thick and Thin. Ahsoka, yeah. Sorry, did I? Yeah, I yeah, apologize. <laughs> Ahsoka. Yeah. Is that true? I, I don't know. I mean, he, he stood by her during, you know, when, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that's what she was thinking of. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right. And then he right. tried to kill her later. So he whatever. did try to kill her later. So that's again complicated people. I mm. but I I think that in her mind, Vader is a different person than Anakin, and that's just gonna right. be like that forever. Right. I think I think she has to, and I mean I think that Anakin's Force Ghost wants it to be that way in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So Although it's like I, when he goes red for a minute. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think we can all agree that there was some bad CGI in this scene. <laughs> with the back yeah. I wasn't bothered shit. by it in the way you guys were. Okay. I've you infected know, I, John I, with my... I, uh, I never I never notice that stuff. I'm always like too invested in the story. I think the problem is with me, if I start to notice that stuff, you've got a big problem because that right. means that the story has lost me. Uh, I don't know. Right. But there are other stuff that, that bother me more. Like, I love the howlers, but um, I don't know. The creatures, they're campy, but not. This isn't like the Purgle was really good CGI. Um, a lot of the Star Wars creatures are just kind of, yeah, more campy costumey. Um, and that's the stuff that stands out to me more. Okay. Right. I like the campy costumey Star Wars stuff because no, it feels I like, it. like Star it's Wars. It's part of it. Yeah. 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 It's like the it's it's like I don't want the holograms to be perfect either, you know. They it's all it's all part of the low tech vibe of Star Wars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. As TIE fighters attack, Ahsoka and Ezra use the force to keep the T six from falling on the Nadi. And Sabine Jerry rigs the ship and then is able to take out the two TIE fighters. Hold Our my beer, t- Hu Yang. <laughs> Are TIE fighter pilots just upgraded stormtroopers that they can't hit the Frickin' side of an Argonoth. <laughs> like, yes, I can't yes, believe that yes. they just didn't wipe them out completely. It was, and they I and then I just the I poured another bowl of cereal <laughs> and I carried on with the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, pretty silly, but you were going to say Alicia, it was fine. No, they should have kept the clone troopers. Yeah, <laughs> I like how the Bad Batch tells that story. That um, you know, really the downgrade in the accuracy of the troopers is because they, you know, just have regular people doing the job now. Oh, as opposed to as uh, opposed to the clones, clones who, who are, are born and bred and raised to right. be soldiers, perfect right. in sync soldiers. Very good. It's very it's very confusing. Honestly, I still don't fully understand why Palpatine was obsessed with getting rid of the clone troopers. I guess it wasn't really him. It was more. um uh what's his what's his name the old man why can't i think of his name right now uh, the, gen- the admiral oh uh tarkin tarkin oh, yeah. tarkin grad admiral tarkin i could not think of his name for a minute but, but yeah i think it was more him mm, yeah hmm, that's a good that's a good question right in uh, send us an email for our next uh podcast i mean i guess they were becoming too individuated so but you'd then rather why get individuals, individuals? Well, yeah, yeah i know, actual I, know individuals. I know yeah it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really add up i think that i think tarkin just wants to control people and i think the more people he can get maybe it's if you have a friend or family member drafted into the military you're less likely to oppose the military right yeah, mm. good point. Maybe that's part of it. Now yeah, I'm a good point. Writing, now I'm writing well, they, Star Wars. You no, know, yeah. but you're you're not completely making that up because there have been. Um, it is true that they started to take uh, them as kids uh, because because of the problems where they weren't being uniform enough and mm-hmm. like the clones, right? So yeah. they did start indoctrinating them as children. Which, by the way, so do the Jedi. That's an interesting. Uh, yes, so do the Jedi. That is absolutely true. So that's a, that's an interesting thing. I could I could see a couple of emails from a couple of our regulars writing in talking about how state organizations and institutions co opt populations, and I could totally see that as a as a way to get investment from the general population. Mm-hmm. Well, my little you know Johnny and Mary are off fighting for the Empire, so you know I've got to be pro Empire. I can't be seditious. I mean, so. I can't scroll through Reddit without getting a military ad. Join the military, become a hero. You know, it's just, it's just everywhere. Like that's really? part of our culture in America. Yeah. 
Well, there, well, I think there is a deficit right now in terms of um, recruitment. Yeah. But anyway, that's another podcast. All right. Enoch reports in that the TIE fighter attack uh, was maybe successful. And then Thrawn orders preparations to repel a ground assault on the off chance uh, that they're still around. Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra mount up on Howlers while Hu Yang works on repairing the T-6. Morgan briefs a squad of night trooper volunteers and then confers with Thrawn. So this was a lot of basic plot setup stuff, right? For the back half of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot to say on this. No, the, the, the whole, um, um, setup of, Oh, is the T six going to be repaired in time? I don't know. Don't wait for me. That was just very transparent. You know, that when, when Ahsoka does say her line and they go jumping off the thing, it's like, okay, that was just a very easy, it's an easy gimme. So I think the problem is that that's the second time they did that in this season. Mm-hmm. They did the same thing in the forest on uh, what was it? Pal- I can uh, Peridia is that the name of it? No, yeah. no. It, mm-hmm. uh, on per- wait, no. oh Peridia is is where, they, where are they are now. now. Yeah, that was. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. The, the uh, other Satos? one, Satos. Satos. Yeah. yeah, they did it on Satos. Right. Um. So it's it's a little cheap to use the same MacGuffin twice. Yeah. Hmm. I thought this line was interesting that Thrawn is saying, oh, it's not for me, it's for the Empire. And then he says, the security of our galaxy. What does that mean? The security of our galaxy? Security meaning like, wait, there's an outside threat? Like, you got to get back? That's from the Thrawn books, yes. There is a thing. Alicia, you probably know more about this than I do. You think the Grisk are coming? Was that what he was afraid of in the throne books? Because I like started the throne books and I didn't follow through with them. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, they were the enemies. They were from elsewhere. They were from within the same the main galaxy, but also like the Chiss Thrones people. They're from the unknown regions. Um, and yeah, we know that they. It does. See, it does seem likely that we will be seeing them in live action. I think. Okay. Yeah, so, I, so think, I think Thrawn has fears. Wasn't that the original reason that Thrawn joined the Emperor was to protect against this? You know, he was like, "Right, hey, we gotta, we gotta prepare for this big threat, Palpy." Yeah, right. but but there has also been these teases uh, that maybe whatever Balin's looking for has been chasing them away, like right. the Night hmm. Sisters, and you know that Thrawn was trying to escape from something hmm. on this planet. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, uh, to me, this is a very operative phrase, security of our galaxy, not yeah. this, gal- you know, our right. galaxy. So, mm-hmm. you know, nice, nice track work being laid right there. So I am for it. Okay. The trio jetpack back to the area of the Night Sister Temple and observe the Eye of Sion docking with the Chimera. Ahsoka checks in with Huyang to set the hook for the T6 being ready in time. They discuss. So I do have my nits here. I'm not not mm-hmm. not being uh, all uh, um, uh, you know blurry eyed about this. I, I do have some. There's some bad tropes in here. Uh, they discuss strategy and Thrawn orders a, bomb- a bombardment as the trio charges the front door, using their combined force powers to try to pry it open. Wow. Okay. So Thrawn found this place. He woke up the witches, rebuilt his starship. That was a good line. Mm. Yeah. Uh, communicated yeah. a lot in a few words. 
Yeah. And we just don't know anything about why the witches were sleeping. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I, I and I think that Alicia has said this a bunch of times, too. They've they've set up a lot of interesting questions for the universe and for the next season. I wish we got some answers this season. I don't think we got any. This felt mm-hmm. like half a season. Right. Worth of content, right. I thought. Agreed. Uh, I, I like yeah. the fact that uh, Ahsoka is like, never mind the maneuvers, just go straight at him, which is sort of a distillation of um, Admiral Nelson, the great uh, British ad- admiral from the Napoleonic War eras. That's a quote that's been sort of misattributed to him. But this idea like, yeah, don't mess around with everything. Just go straight in and, you know, just just go in for the attack. So but. This bombardment was just ridiculous. I mean, nobody in Thrawn's forces can shoot straight. So it's pretty yeah. ridiculous. As they're, as they're dodging like very big bomb blasts, I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. all right. Again, I'm the episode has already made me a little bit annoyed by this point. It, I don't completely break until the force push later, mm-hmm. but I'm already on edge by this point. I, I think death I think, by a thousand cuts. What it is, it's not, it's not that, yeah, I think you're right. Death by a thousand cuts. It's not that any of these decisions were terrible. It's that most of them were boring. I thought Mm -hmm, they were boring mm -hmm. decisions. Okay. You're not going to kill the characters on the way to the thing. So you just have this pointless action scene. Now you have another pointless action scene because they're not going to die here. I never thought any of the characters were going to die. And I was right. And, uh, well, other than Morgan, which whatever, she's expendable, but (laughs) Yeah, I, I think we knew she that. was going to die, right? Uh, I I thought so, but well, yeah, I think I when he surprised. says when we get to that scene, but yeah, I I I didn't know what was going to happen in this season with her. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, I would have gladly sacrificed. I thought the action was fun throughout the series, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I would have gladly sacrificed a significant chunk of it to get more ans- more answers, like not just teases of lore, but just right mm-hmm. actually show us more new things. I think this this um this bombardment was so overpowered that it was like, well, if they can survive this, there's no stakes. Right? It's it it's just completely ridiculous that they could thread their way through yeah. this. So I, th- I think that's right. And it's not like it's not like laser bolts that you can just dodge easily like a Jedi or or you know reflect easily. Right. But these are like massive explosions. You're going to predict where these massive explosions go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One after another with debris flying up in your face and the howler is not going to be a panic and run. And yeah. So and you're you're going to tell me that Thrawn has not programmed his ship to just go in online so that you don't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to just shoot random shots. Right. That's what you need to do with these things. You can't just That's make right. a line of explosions. Yeah, so, no, I'm thinking of the creator, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, yeah. We're going to have a one-shot about that shortly uh, for that movie. Um, no negotiating with the apprentice of Skywalker. So that was a nice little line. Yeah, yeah. that was a cool line. You, yeah. you know, something, some, another nod to Rebels that I forgot to mention earlier, and I want to give props to Filoni for poking fun at himself with, is the emitter for the lightsaber was a, a nod to rebels because people complained that the lightsaber blades were too narrow mm. in rebels. And so Ezra goes, Oh no, oh, that emitter's nice. too narrow. Oh, very good. That's yeah, a great, so that's little, fun. That's yeah, fun. Fun little throw, throw in there. So, and then uh, when they're charging and Ahsoka says, Sabine help. And she sort of sticks her hand out there as well to pseudo help. 
like, wait a minute, or do, does she have force powers or not? So yeah, they really, mm-hmm. it's a really yeah. muddled thing with her and, and, and the force powers and whether we were building up and whether it was earned or not, I, I do, I do totally see the point. It never took me out, but I do, I do totally get it. I am right. shattered to pieces. All right, go on. <laughs> Inside the temple, the trio fights off a night trooper assault. Working as a team, they easily dispatch their enemies. Meanwhile, the witches turn on some magics and turn the slain troopers into zombies. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Did they change the spelling of magic in the season? Yeah, it's always was, been a thing. M-A-J- well, no, but wasn't it wasn't it M-A-J- M-A-G-I-C-K earlier in the season? Yeah, but I think that the, when they call, say, the magics like this, they're talking about like people was my interpretation. Okay. Like maybe the, uh, the night sisters are actually the magics is their original name, something like that. I don't know. That was I, another thing I want an answer to, but yeah, that jumped I, I out think, at me too. I think more likely an intern made a typo, but anyway, uh, no. go on with your scene by scene. <laughs> but no, because it sounded like they were talking about a person like being okay. loyal to the magics. Right. Okay. Right. All right. So the trio grind their way up the tower stairs as the Eye of Scion completes its docking maneuver. I thought this was a pretty good D&D party here. You got a couple of melee fighters up close, and then you got a ranged attack uh, person in the back shooting. And uh, I love that final little combo where Ezra throws the two guys at Ahsoka, and she just sort of dispatches them quickly. So it was a fun little action scene. Yeah, and sure. it was a nice... Uh, um it was nice they aired this to start off October, uh, and it was a nice <laughs> yes. nod nod to a beloved, you know, rare foray into Star Wars horror, the Death Troopers um, Legends novel. Okay. I like the little green glow in their eyes. I thought that was a cute little touch. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean, that's that's the visual language of the Night Sisters, even back to the Clone mm-hmm. Wars gar- cartoon. And um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun. See, this is the thing. Like, a lot of these things I thought were good but they were overused. And when I think back to, you know, the original trilogy, which has its issues too, the lightsaber fights aren't very often. You have very few lightsaber fights mm-hmm, in those, mm-hmm. in those movies because they're special. Right. And right. the more you crowd my media with them and take out the character moments, the less star Wars, it feels to me. Star right. Wars is not lightsabers. It's character moments. It's a fairy tale in space. It is, right. it is this space opera. Alicia, I wrote down the witches chant that uh, was in the subtitles, and it's here in, in our notes. Do you recognize any of this? Does this come from any I mean, other source? Or? Well, the the entire chant has been it's it is pulled straight out of um, we've we've seen it used before to raise zombies. So. Okay, uh, but as far as I, I don't think this is a complete language that we've heard, just sort of a tease. Okay. Got it. Uh, I didn't know if it was a, it pulled from from another you know a book or a comic or a or a show. Yeah, no, it was... it's literally a chant that we've seen used uh, in other and and other shows. Okay, and, in in the Clone Wars, right? Yeah, especially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm also uh, questioning myself. Did we hear it in like the uh, Jedi game? Um, but I yeah, I can't remember. You mean the, okay. the game show? With, uh, in uh, in. No, 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 no. The um, the the fallen oh, order. Oh, Jedi game. fallen order. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah gotcha. There's a, there's a night sister in there. I gotcha. Yeah, okay. well, because yeah, they they raise the zombies in the game, and you have to fight them. Right. Got it. 
Um, the hyperspace ring. That's a pretty cool thing. I was actually just watching Revenge of the Sith. And of course, uh, Obi-Wan docks with his hyperspace ring at, you know, at some point. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's the thing from the thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it was there the whole time. And I don't think I ever put it together and that, that that's how this thing was going to work. So it, it was kind of like a duh moment where I could have smacked my forehead. So, but it was cool to see nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. I think I thought it was good. And, uh, you know, Halloween, as Alicia said. Right. Yeah. All right. As the baddies prepare to depart, Thrawn puts Morgan into the fight as his rear guard action. The trio reaches near the top where they encounter Lady Morgan Elspeth. Ahsoka stays to fight as Ezra and Sabine head for the ship where they encounter the zombie death troopers. Thrawn orders the departure and Sabine uses the force. I am really happy that Diana Lee, uh, you know, Santo who plays lady, uh, Morgan was in as much as she was in. And I would have been happy to have her, uh, in a lot more star Wars. I, I thought she was great. And I really enjoyed uh, the fight scene, the overall fight scene with her and Ahsoka. I, I really want her backstory. Mm, yeah. Do you think they could resurrect her, uh, Alicia? I mean, that so far when we've seen them actually resurrect anyone, there's basically two ways. There's mm-hmm. uh, the zombie way, which is not pretty, or the ghost way is preferable because then, you know, they can still actually communicate and right. be full characters. So, yeah, that could happen. Okay. I, I don't see why they couldn't have, you know, Force Ghost Morgan. Right, right. And well, the, now there's no more Night Sisters left on. And they destroyed the temple or their, their fortress or whatever it is. So uh, I don't think her body is uh, physically yeah, resurrectable. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, like, yeah. what, what's she going to do? Go, oh, that's her dialogue line if she's <laughs> right. a physical zombie. <laughs> and I was bummed that they just leveled her up and then they took her out. And I was. Yeah, like, oh. exactly. Yeah. I was really looking for more, but I, I loved her introduction in uh, Mando and I loved the fight that her and Ahsoka had in the garden area there. She was just a, a really great character to have. And so I'm going to miss her a lot. Um, the death troopers, there's actually, I took a, I f- paused the screen and I took a picture. There's like actual like zombie yeah. inside the helmet there. That, that, that was really cool. So the death troopers are actual death troopers. Can we talk about the four Dathomir part? Yes, we can. For Dathomir, she whispers under her breath. Yeah, I found that very interesting because um, it makes me wonder what has Thrawn promised them because obviously that's what's at play. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, most of the Night Sisters were genocided by Dooku and Grievous uh, back in the day. So. Are they repopulating the planet? What's the plan? Uh, that's exciting to me. That's interesting. That's a good call because she does, Morgan does specifically say for Dathomir. So she's uh, willing to give up her life for a greater quote unquote good of what you know she thinks yeah. is good, right? Well, it was also like, why would you um, team up with, the, with an Imperial if mm-hmm. Imperials are the ones who wiped out your people? And like, well, if another Imperial can promise to restore your people, then mm-hmm. that well, more and, interesting. And maybe she just heard that argument first, right? I mean, you had, Cal had to convince Marin of that in the Jedi games, in the Jedi Fallen Order games, that right. you know, the Imperial 
forces are the same functionally as the separatists that killed your people. Mm. Um, whereas at first she just thought the Jedi were problems because she saw lightsabers, you know? Right. True. Good point. Yeah. And we know that they don't like Jedi's. It smells like Jedi. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Thrawn does say, not for me, but for the Empire. So they and they have an alliance. So they're using each other, the Night Sisters and Thrawn. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. They're both using each other. Yeah. For and I I can see that alliance falling apart. Later. Um mm-hmm. I could I wouldn't see it falling apart on Thrawn's end as much as it was once he gets plugged back into the larger remnants of the empire, then that would be problematic. But I think for him, but then as when he's done, what does Thrawn mm-hmm. do when he's done using somebody? That's a question. Right. I think as long as he has some kind of use for them, he doesn't dispose of them. Right. Right. Or and double cross. As long as he doesn't see them as a threat. Right. Sure. Oh, that's right. true. That's true. Are the night sisters ever going to be a threat? I don't know. Maybe he's promising them some kind of power sharing on Dathomir. Have that be the headquarters of the new empire. I don't know. Or if there's some, this external threat that he is um, recognizing that the night sisters are an important part of the defense uh, from that external threat, even though maybe they're by themselves, they're not enough, but in conjunction with other things, um, they could and be, as, uh, as we learned, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Picking up words and phrases and clauses. All right. All right. Schoolhouse <laughs> rock. I'm done. I'm done with it. You're speaking my language, man. We did those as I, when I was a kid, too. I know that they've been around a while. They, they, they bridged. Yeah. 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 Ezra and Sabine win their fights and then jump the shark. I mean, jump <laughs> to the chimera. <laughs> jump the gap. That's yes. Yeah, jump the gap. That's what jump the now. gap. Meanwhile, Ahsoka is driven as John, by the way, have you ever actually seen the jump the shark? Um, I've seen the YouTube clip of it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I, right. I, I know what it's from. It's from happy right. days when they, yeah, yeah. Yep. I assume you know what it is. Um, uh, uh, Amelia. What's your name? Alicia. Sorry. <laughs> <Getting late. laughs> a long um, day. Yeah. No. Yeah. Same, same deal. I've yeah. seen the YouTube clip. Uh, I did use, I did watch happy days um, growing up, you know, it was one of those things on TV, but I cannot recall if I've actually seen that episode in context. Right. Yeah. It's it's pretty horrific. <laughs> Seeing Henley Winkler in a leather jacket and a, a life vest was pretty ridiculous. Anyway, meanwhile, Ahsoka is driven to the top of the plinth by the night troopers. Sabine chooses to stay with her master. What do we think of this final uh, fight scene here? I mean, I I thought that that this is how it was going to uh, turn out, but I have to also keep in mind that I knew certain leaks, so I knew some people uh, were going to be left behind. Oh, uh, okay. You got spoiled. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. There was the, there was some plot leaks a few weeks ago, at least. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, did on it, the on the X than we are? <laughs> did it <laughs> did it ruin your enjoyment of the episode? No, not at all. Okay. Actually, because. Um, yeah, I, I found it knowing, I think, that it was going to end on a massive cliffhanger made me just go in and be like, okay, so it's going to end on a cliffhanger and appreciate where, how it ended on there. Because I actually quite like the end of the episode. Cool. Uh, I was surprised that Ahsoka loses her short sword. That I, I don't know if I'm yeah. going to pronounce this right. The Wakasasaji? Oh, I can't do it now. My mouth is broken. Um, anyway, she lost one of her swords. That was really um, distressing. 
Right, yeah. The the fight itself, it was fine. It went on way too long. Okay. It was fine though. All right. It was uh I, I liked Sabine coming back to save her. That was good. Um, because there was that whole, you know, I, I complained on the discord before too, like they learned nothing over the course of the season. They're splitting up again. Um, I think that if Ezra, Sabine and Ahsoka had taken on Morgan right away, they could have ended her in a minute and ran up and probably everybody could have gotten on the ship, but I don't know. I don't know. But here at least we have something learned, which is Sabine stays with her master, right? Right. And then she comes into her wholeness and, and all of her skills, right? She's, she uses her armor. She uses her blasters. She uses her lightsaber as a single fighting style, uh, as opposed to one, the other. Um, so her, her Mandalorian and, and Jedi are, are kind right. of fusing now finally into a wholeness. And I think that's what, you know, if we take Filoni's, one of his theses, which is it's not just about lightsaber, but it's about training your whole self and trusting in the force. Then we see, you know, Sabine actually um, coming into, you know, her full power and not, and I'm not even talking about the actual force use, but actually like fighting and, and doing her fighting style. She's, she's whole now. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that the this uh, fighting style shows both sides. And I'm wondering if we ever do get to see Grogu grow up, mm-hmm. what would his fighting style look like? Interesting. Because yeah. he also has the Jedi and the Mandalorian training. That's right. That's right. Uh, I did like the double strike that uh, Ahsoka gets on Morgan to end the fight. Uh, she hits her with both the saber and the blade of Talzin uh, across her midsection. So... It was a cool fight. I yeah. could have watched that fight yeah, that for was, days. Okay, I could not. I, I, I did <laughs> I did like the I did like the end of it. That was really cool. I just yeah. thought that in general that fight just took way too long for stakes I didn't like I knew Ahsoka was gonna you didn't win, care about you know? It. Right. Yeah. I knew Ahsoka well, I, was gonna win. I didn't care enough yeah. about Morgan. I mean, I am more interested in Morgan than you, but I think I just I knew the whole time exactly how it was gonna end. So it's like, okay, come on. Yeah, let's get I, to the point. I could see Morgan once Thrawn committed her to stay behind. I, and I was surprised by that. Um, it was like, okay, yeah, she's going to go, but I had no idea where she was going to end up at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season. So, uh, but I've always liked her character a lot. All right. The Chimera departs. Thrawn orders the destruction of the temple and Sabine and Ahsoka are rescued by Huyang. Which no one saw in coming. Oh, ha, ha, ha. oh my gosh. They jump off a cliff. Whatever. Well, they they did set that up in the first episode. So I appreciate that. <laughs> so they give chase. Thrawn goads Ahsoka, calling her a Ronin, before jumping into hyperspace. I thought that was pretty interesting that he used that word. John, you had some thoughts on this, I think. Well, I, I'm I'm going to steal this from the Midnight Boys, too, which is, are there samurai movies in this universe? Like, where did they get the word Ronin from? Well, and they use Boken, which is the wooden sword. Yeah, and, I guess uh, they pull from other real world stuff, too. I mean, it, it, it wasn't the original. One of the big original inspirations was Seven Samurai. So for sure. Uh, but you don't Hidden call Fortress. the Jedi samurai, right? It, it's these yeah, words no. kind it's of like, feel far into this universe. It's like when they call the Purgles whales. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I, I buy it. You've convinced me. You've convinced me that it's fine. But this is the first show, I think, where there's intentional use of 
those words. I mean, we've always had robes and swords and, you know, uh, forms and, you know, all of, you know, train your mind kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the first time we've actually had actual Japanese words applied to character right. you know, types and, and things like that. So, right. And somebody pointed out like, okay, Han said we're sitting ducks at some point. Like there are just right. out of place statements within star Wars. It right. just happens. But this is how I interpret it. Like they're not speaking English. They're speaking basic and it's being translated into English. So perhaps there the nearest concept in basic is, you know, happens to be a Japanese word, word we've borrowed or something. There you go. All right. Uh, All right. Thus, thus spoke the translator. That's canon. (laughs) (laughs) Sabine and Ahsoka join the Nazi. Ahsoka sees a bird similar to Morai, her convoy friend. That's the little owl bird thing. Shin joins up with the nomads. Balin stands before Mount Doom. I mean, some mysterious volcano. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Chimera arrives at Dathomir as Thrawn and the Great Mothers look over the cargo. Ezra is reunited with Hera. So a lot just sort of crammed into the end here. Um, let's start with Sabine. Oh, when, you know, we didn't even really talk about, do we even want to talk about jumping the gap even, even no, further? No, okay, we've, we're we did it for a half it. hour. Let's just right. keep going. <laughs> um, so Sabine and Ahsoka joined the Nati. Um, seems like they were kind of foreshadowing that throughout the episode. Yeah. Yeah. The stranger joins the Harfoots. Yep. There you go. Now, was that actually a convoy or was that just some sort of other native bird that made us think of Morai? Now, for those who who aren't familiar with this in uh, Ahsoka, it's not a familiar, but it's a, a spirit animal that's associated with Ahsoka. And it's this sentient species of birds called convors. And there was one individual named Morai who was her kind of what? How do how do we want to describe it? What's uh, Alicia kind of a, a, this a kind of the spirit animal, the daughter um, who's now attached to Ahsoka? But it's also interesting that Morai is a, another word for the three fates, and the great mothers in this series have the names of the three fates. Okay, interesting. So, do you think that was actually a convor, or was that? Just a bird that looked that's supposed to make us think that. I think it was the same bird that's been following Ahsoka since uh, she was in, since she went to more, uh, yeah. Since okay. The daughter's. The actual, yeah, Morai. That's the name yeah. of the, yeah, the bird. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I didn't look like it to me. It The bird mm. seemed, when it was on the ground, it seemed very slim and almost different. And then it flew away and it kind of looked like it. So, mm-hmm. but you don't well, put since, it in there and not have... have a call. Yeah, since we have the the Holy Trinity on this planet, you know, in, right. in structures, I think it's it's reasonable to it's safe to, to right. yeah to say that it is a convoy. Okay, um, Shin joins up with the nomads. What else does she? What other choices does she have? Right, uh, she's going to yeah, I mean, go to Ahsoka, nomads. who literally offered to teach her. Right, <laughs> it's true. Which, you know what? I'm I'm okay with this choice. You know, have her go off, and then maybe be part of her arc next season is starting to trust people. It's like. You know, you just dangle a carrot in front of the squirrel and see if it comes to you. Um, but, you it know, it feels we'll, like they're going to we'll be see. warring factions first, though. But For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I was hoping there. I was hoping she and Sabine would be besties by now. Mm. <laughs> I think they're, they'll be besties by the end of season two if we get one. Yeah. Their meet cute in episode one didn't turn out very well. So <laughs> they're still they're still working <laughs> on it. They're still in their arc. <laughs> OK. Balin stands before dot 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 question mark question mark question mark obviously 
Um, Alicia, can you break down the statues that we're seeing here for us? Yeah, so we've got the Mortis gods, it seems to be. We've got And the, what are the Mortis we, gods for So folks who yeah, don't know. so these are um these are like sort of the holy trinity of the force. Um we have the the father, the son, and the statue that seemed to be crumbled was a daughter. And but that is represented by the Morai and by Ahsoka. So uh, what's interesting though is that we're seeing this Trinity motif come back a lot in okay. this show in particular and also in other things that tie into it so we've seen uh, a lot of the triple st- we obviously the three great mothers um but also we've seen a lot of the triple statues uh at, within the Sister temples we've seen and also on uh peridia mm-hmm. and we also have had you know very subtle Easter eggs alluding to the Zepho, which are an important race in the Jedi games. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also have a trinity of gods. So I'm thinking, like, are these all the same gods that are being represented in each species' own images? Interesting. Sort yeah. of a, a collective unconscious kind of thing, or collective, yeah. not unconscious, but you know what I mean? Like a, a shared uh, Ur myth underneath everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, one thing that people, fans of Legends, are hoping for is there's another character who's kind of the mother, but was actually started as a servant of the Triple Gods and then became the mother, but was, uh, wasn't was immortal like them and sort of did some forbidden things to get there. And that's that's Abeloth. Uh, but this character has not shown up in canon yet. So people are hoping that uh, that she's coming. John, did you just get strong Argonoth vibes when Balin was standing there? Sure. All I yeah. could see was I, uh, the Mount Rushmore <laughs> of of uh, yeah of, yeah. of uh, uh, Force gods. You know, the three men I admire most: the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. Uh, took the last train to the coast the day the music died. So the day music died. <laughs> Somehow we ended up in a, as a music pod. I noticed yeah. that when I was looking out at that volcano that he was looking out, that little beacon was sort of pulsating. I don't know if you yeah. called that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely, it seems meant to catch our eye. Okay. What do you think that it is, David? Uh, I have no idea. I have zero clue as to what he's <laughs> looking at. All I got was just the big Lord of the Rings um, homage feelings that that. He's actually carrying the ring. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's flashing. Yeah, I've, it's flashing. I've got it's no fixed. idea. I don't know enough of the lore of the, the Mortis lore to, to be able to even make a guess. So. I think they call well, it Mortis. There's a lot of them. But, uh, no. um, yeah, I, I, I have no idea what's going on. I did like that the uh, the daughter was crumbled as she was, you know, she was died in the Mortis arc to give Ahsoka her life, life force. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would be cool to have the whole Ahsoka having her life force come back and be full circle in some kind of ploy to use the three or have the three together. Maybe Ahsoka takes her place within the three at the end. Cause we know Anakin was offered the place of the father in right. the Mortis arc. They said, you were meant to bring balance to the force. Here you go. Here's the planet of the force maintain balance. And he said, no, but Ahsoka now has the life force of the daughter. Will she now take her place as the daughter? Hmm. Well, I mean, I thought that Balin was kind of being positioned as the father in a way because, yeah, my mom pointed out that uh, he looked facially a lot like the statue. Yeah, um, that's for sure. But, but yeah. also, you know, uh, Filoni said that he made a point of giving him an orange lightsaber to show that he was neither 
light nor dark. Right. Mm. It wasn't like the father. Yeah. Yeah, I could buy that. I could buy that. Who's the sun then? Is the sun going to come back? Because the sun was not dying when we last saw him. What if Shin is the daughter? I don't think. But what if Shin is the sun? She's trained for something. She could be the sun. Yeah. Because she's the dark side. Hmm. I, I could see her as the sun. Okay. I, I would have worried about Ezra, but he's gone, so. <laughs> but yeah. maybe is there is there a redemption arc for um, Shin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely could so. have a redemption arc. Yep. Yeah. I think I think that's what they're telling us is going to happen, honestly. Right, right. That's right. the most likely path. All right, so the Chimera arrives at Dathomir, so, and they, they look out over their cargo and it's a lot of cargo. So dun, 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 what do we, what do we go for from here? Uh, what happened to Dathomir? Is Dathomir inhabitable? inhabitable? No, it, that's, that's where the genocide was of the night sisters. Right. So they did, but they didn't glass the planet like they did to. No, 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 no. There was no Mandalorian nonsense okay. going on there. It was just, just straight up murder. No, okay. no nothing yeah, fancy. Genocide. Got it. Yep. Um, and then that's a question I had too. In the final closing credit sequence, I haven't done any analysis of it or watched any of the YouTube videos that I'm sure break it down. But there's a final planet where a whole bunch of lines come into, and I'm wondering if that's Dathomir. I don't know, uh, Alicia, if you're clued into that stuff. Um, I have to admit that I would need to see a visual. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's something a- about Dathomir is we know it is a center for dark side. Force. Right. And right. Why? We don't know why. Okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to explain that. And that would be a cool thing to have in season two. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have to assume. I mean, we, they're basically telling us this is tied to the cargo, the coffin like cargo yep. that they're carrying. Yep. All right. Uh, Ezra is reunited with Hera. Um, I felt like this scene went on a little too long for me. It felt a little bit like Lord of the Rings when uh, Frodo's waking up and they keep every character gets a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love that part. So anyway, scene. but anyway, I, I love I love that in the Lord of the Rings. I didn't love it here, but I didn't mind the reunion scene. I, I really like that in general. But dumb he person behavior alert. This, yeah. Dumb Pull person. Yeah, you alert. show up in TIE Fighter or in uh, <laughs> Night Trooper armor, right? Take off your helmet when you're coming down the ramp, right? Right. Just, yeah, exactly. Just 10 seconds before, take off the helmet. What is wrong right. with you, Ezra? But I'm on the radio. He- hey, Hera, yeah. it's me, Ezra. I'm I back. mean, it, they could have had that cute moment if he just stepped out and Hera raises her blaster for a moment and then he's like, oh, yeah, and like takes it off in like a charming right, right. boyish Ezra mm-hmm. way. And then right. they're like, oh. Right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. No, it's it yeah. was like this dramatic. And now I'll lift off my helmet yeah. after the dog <laughs> after comes Chopper. Over and, yeah, yeah. As, as the as the dog recognizes the master. I mean, I don't want to put it to that terms, but you know the the there's a extra sensory Chopper can figure it out. I, Chopper I, I will did, murder you for calling him a dog. <laughs> he would. <laughs> I gotta I gotta like edit that out. Save my life. <laughs> yeah, um, when Chopper becomes an AI overlord, we, we don't want him. Uh, yep. Uh, I did get a little feels, though. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, nailed the scene, I think, when she saw you know Ezra, when mm-hmm. she was looking at Ezra. And so I, I was heartened. I felt good. And I feel the casting for Ezra was really good, too. I'm very, yes. very happy yes. with all the casting. Yeah, very so much. One of the best parts of the show was the casting. Absolutely. I think that Hera, if you if you haven't watched Rebels, dear listener, she really was like Ezra's mother for a really long totally. time. Yeah. Totally. 
and there's there's something there of being re- you know, mother and child reunion. Paul Simon. Yep. This is the second time I've referenced him in a you podcast. You were musical this month. today too, and uh, and Paul Simon's <laughs> going to sue me now. But anyway, <laughs> careful. But yeah, no, it's it's. I, I do think that there's something there, and they sold that for me. Um, and also, you know, her her love died. Her her yes. beloved died, and. Yep. That was Ezra's master. So I think she sees a part of her beloved in Ezra, you know, something passed on this legacy. For sure. Is is Ezra going to be Jason's master now? Do was the, I hope so. Was the whole, how, how much we, we kind of needed some of the Hera storyline, but I don't know. It just felt like it got third, Right. Yep. It just was yeah. very append. It was like an appendage attached to the main story. Hey, but better than Zeb, who we got that glimpse of. <laughs> the he looks awesome. The yeah. disrespect to Zeb. <laughs> He's not. I in mean, this at least one. we got a mention. Yeah, that's they, right. they've gotten better at the mentions because it was annoying me that they were not mentioning characters in the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. Not even saying. Yeah. So. Well, and then, okay. You know what? I'm just gonna shut up. open your mouth we're gonna pour some cereal down your throat (laughs) all right final scene is ezra as as sabine and ahsoka make camp with the naughty sabine feels something which turns out to be anakin's force ghost creeping in the dark um what did you guys think of this final thing uh alicia were you moved i liked it yeah hayden i thought it was a, a it was nice um kind of a callback in a way to Return of the Jedi to have just Anakin's Force Ghost chilling there, but also just a way to tie together and remember. And I, I like that look on his face. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. that sort of worried but proud. Right. Yeah. Bittersweet kind of, yes. you know, there's been a lot of pain, but we're in a good yeah. place now. Did Don't... you two watch 30 Rock? Yeah, uh, I've seen it. I've seen many episodes. I, I can't say that I've seen it front to back. You know when when Liz Lemon Tina Fey gets a mentor a mentee herself, oh, and Jack Donaghy introduces himself and goes, "I'm your grad mentor." <laughs> <laughs> That's this scene for me. Nice. <laughs> Hello, Sabine. I'm your grand mentor. Very funny. I could totally. Your see grand that. master. Yeah. <laughs> is the line that Sabine says just shadows in the starlight? Is that a poll from somewhere else? So interesting reference. Uh, so we're recording today on Wednesday, the day the episode released. And on today, uh, a new High Republic book released called Shadows of Starlight. Oh, mm. very cool. So you haven't they, read it. You haven't finished reading it already. I, it just came out today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. You haven't finished reading it already. Yeah. <laughs> They're a little definitely busy. leaning into the High Republic thing. That's the next yes. thing they want to make big. They even mm-hmm. incorporated it into the second Jedi Survivor game, the yeah. Jedi Fallen Order game. Um, that's called Jedi Survivor, and okay. I'm I'm playing through that now. That's my that's my video gaming right now, and and because it is canon, and they are definitely going hard on this. They want this to be the next big thing, okay. and I don't know if it's got it because I I started reading one of the High Republic books. I think the first one that came out, and I didn't love it. And Alicia, maybe you can speak more to them. I mean, I think it's it's. It's a mixed bag, you know, because they're all written mm-hmm. by different people. But it, right. I think that it's it's they're laying like a really thick foundation for this show, The Acolyte, that's going to come out. And that yep. game Eclipse, which, yeah. by the way, features yeah. Grisk, uh, you know, the enemies of the Chiss. Okay. People. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to the eclipse. Have you heard about <laughs> we're off track now? Have you heard that they've deleted the trailer for the Knights of the Old Republic remake and removed all tweets about <gasps> it? No. It's not no, happening I... anymore. Yeah. <sighs> Sony deleted everything about it. <sighs> Why? That seems like such a, an easy slam dunk. Well, like a year ago, they they fired the studio that was making it and assigned it to a right. different well, studio, yeah. but they didn't even say which studio. Yeah. So yeah, it was it yeah. was in development hell and now it's probably gone. It's yeah. I mean, I I I think that's not going to happen with Eclipse because it already they've already put so much into it and they're leaning so heavily on this uh, on this period. But I do worry about the games going the way of the movies where it's just shuffling around until they get dropped. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the danger that we're in right now. I think so. Uh, and as Ahsoka says, it's time to move on. I'm not sure exactly what she meant by moving on, maybe moving on from Thrawn and just being happy on um, on Peridia. I, I wasn't really sure, but we should be moving on as well, <laughs> getting to some <laughs> feedback. Um, any final thoughts for the episode breakdown? John? Just kidding. Um, no, it was... <laughs> it was uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But very was, literary today. I was... Uh, enthralled by much of the season mm-hmm. and i hope that season two is more like the middle of season one got it alicia um i overall i i really enjoyed the series and honestly my only complaint is that it could be even more like the animated series especially considering Filoni's at the helm mm, mm, interesting get a yes, writer's also, room dave yes, get a writer's yes. room yeah we need more writing input yeah yeah for sure very cool. I really enjoyed the the season overall, the episode, even though there were just some really glaring plot problems and tropes and, you know, did they earn the force thing and the jump was ridiculous. None of that for me overwashed the story of Ahsoka and Sabine and this, you know, coming around to forgiveness and and wholeness and, and uh, being together and connecting and all of that kind of stuff. So the, the mystical spiritual side of the storytelling never was eclipsed by the uh, faltering plot at times. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with this season overall. I don't think it, I mean, Andor really just sits over on the side on its own. It's, it's, but within our, our handful of, you know, the Mandalorian and, Book of Boba and Obi-Wan. I think that's it that we got, right? I yeah. think it's yeah. I think it sits pretty high up with Mando up in, in that level. So Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think it's I mean, because Mando we've also had our quibbles with, even though it's generally <laughs> yeah. quite a good show. Yeah. So Yeah. I I don't think that any of the finale episodes of Mando have disappointed me this way. Mm. I think that season three with finale wasn't super strong, but it wasn't super weak either. This mm. one felt like a really weak finale to me. And okay, I hope me, that but... season two is better. I'm again, I'm not out on it. Like I'm going to watch season two. I love Star Wars. I love Ahsoka as a character. I love mo- pretty much every character in the show. And I just want to see them use the toys that I like to their advantage. Right. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we will run through some feedback.
and we are back. All right, let's get to some feedback. And again, if you've got stuff that you want to share or you've got reactions to what we've been talking about, don't hesitate to send it in to Wars at thelorehounds.com. As I said before, we're going to uh, take some time in our next Star Wars Film Fest, which we're covering Revenge of the Sith. We're going to take some time to make sure that if there's anything that is still floating around out there, we can uh, take some time to address those. So definitely send them in. Jump in on the Discord as well. There is a great conversation that's rolling over there. Um, so yeah, dive in. All right, let's get to it. Danny on the Discord. I wanted to pull this specifically because we talked in the last episode about Thrawn. Does he know uh, Darth Vader's true origin? And Danny pointed out that he does, that he went on a mission with Anakin during the Clone Wars and then later right. went on one with Vader. And being Thrawn, he figured it out immediately. Uh, Alicia, do you have more that you can add on that? No, I mean, that's that's a good quick summary. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's uh, talked about in the Thrawn books. So. Very cool. Thanks, Danny. Uh, now, next up, we have uh, lore master and friend of the pod, Brian8063, who sent in a voicemail. John, can you uh, cue that up for us? Hey, John and David. Thought I'd take a page from Alicia's book and drop in by voice. I like the finale and the entire season of the show. There's been a lot of comments about Sabine's quick ability to use the force. And you probably mentioned that already in your play by play. She moved from having no ability to move things to grab a lightsaber to helping Ezra onto the ship in quick time. I admit this bothered me, but it does make good drama, which is probably driving all this. Of course. It, one thing came to my mind is that we never get to see the development of a Jedi in training up close. We see this maybe with Ahsoka and Anakin and the Clone Wars, but there are a lot of other storylines and story plots going on in that show. It's not 100%. Uh, maybe there are some other comics and Star Wars books that I don't know about. But what we learn is very fractured. The temple is a standard example of a young person taking a long time to learn the force, and they're quite good at it when they become an apprentice. There are a couple books out there between Obi-Wan and Anakin. There's another book, I believe, on Obi-Wan and Queen John. But again, that's a moment in time. However, in the Empire and post-Empire, it's hard to gauge. For Luke, he lost Obi-Wan in Episode 4, but he can grab his lightsaber in the cave in Episode 5. We suspect that not a lot of time had passed from four to five, and he was without a master. Also, he gains a lot of skill in only a short time with Yoda. I'd love to see a series or a book series about a Jedi from beginning to end to fully appreciate how the Force works with people. Anyway, with those thoughts in mind, uh, I can move on from Sabine's rapid Force development and enjoy the ride. (laughs) Thanks again for your great coverage. Brian, 8063. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, you are a great person to have in our community. Always really interesting and thoughtful feedback. Thanks for sending that in. John, um, do you have any thoughts on what Brian had to say? Yeah. Regarding Luke, I actually just looked it up to check myself because I thought it was longer than just a, a short time. It is about three years between episodes four and five. So you have three years of Luke knowing he's force sensitive, having some basic low level training from Obi-Wan and being able to practice. I think that's a reasonable amount of time to be able to pull your lightsaber out from the Yeti's cavern. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Alicia. 
Um, yeah, I think what's interesting is that most people, most of what we see in terms of Jedi training comes from like the prequel Clone Wars era. So it's really during a time of war. And I think that that's one of the interesting things that the High Republic uh, era adds, because that's, you know, when the Jedi are really at their height um, and you see the more quote unquote normal what it was like for the Jedi before things started to fall apart for them. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's a relatively, it's a good point. Um, but it still doesn't excuse going in one episode going from, uh, I'm a brick to, Oh, here, let me throw you across a half mile wide chasm. So. Right. And I, I want to be clear. I don't need a breakdown of what midichlorian level you need to have force sensitivity. I don't need you to tell me someone who can't touch the force by age seven can never touch the force. I don't need that kind of specificity on the rules, but there needs to be a limit here. There needs to be some kind of limitation on every magic system, even if it's a soft limitation. Otherwise it renders everything meaningless. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. And that makes it really hard to feel invested in a show because I don't watch dramatic TV to be surprised and I don't, I don't watch dramatic TV to be surprised in a way that I couldn't have picked up if I were trying like a Mm -hmm. good twist, a good twist makes you look back and go, Oh, there's all, I see how we could have gotten there. Yeah. Right. There's nothing here that tells me that Sabine can use the force to that level. Right. In this entire series and in the four seasons of rebels. Right. Yeah, I would say a good twist. It feels inevitable even. Right. And, and, you know, they could have gotten to that point in this series if they had, you know, done it incrementally. But I still think the more interesting decision would have been to just have her show the, you know, have her really believe there's nothing and then show the slightest spark with just tipping the cup or whatever. Right. Right. Nudging the lightsaber. Even like, okay, let's compare to Nynaeve in the Wheel of Time, right? Of this very powerful person who has a block, a block between her and the power. But people who are practicing the power tell her, you are powerful, you just have a block. And it makes sense that people around her that we trust, maybe they don't understand why the block's happening and we don't need to know exactly what's happening. But they can sense that something's happening with her. Nobody's got a clue with Sabine, really, the whole time. Yeah. Kanan has no clue. Ezra has no clue. Ahsoka has no clue. Hu well, Yang has no clue. Yeah, this is what's... Go ahead. Nynaeve, let, Nynaeve lets out bursts of uncontrolled power. And, you know, so then we as an audience know, like, oh, it's in there. Right, yeah. right. And and so this is what threw me earlier when um, Hu Yang tells Ezra, oh, the reason that Ahsoka isn't training her is because she was worried that she was going to end up going down a dark path because her family was exterminated. So why would Ahsoka be worried about that if Sabine was a brick with the force? So she obviously had to see you're last in the draft kid. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) There's it's inconsistent across the, he's nagging her. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Yeah. He's nagging her. So, so that's why I'm in agreement. He's serving his master, right? He's right. <laughs> he's just making sure she feels incapable. Yeah. Right. Great. <laughs> That'll get you to the force. Challenging. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Thanks again, Brian. We'll always appreciate your feedback. Uh, Vanessa. Who, who young, secret Sith. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. That'd be a fun story. 
Uh, there are always two. Vanessa the emailed long us. game. All right, go on. <laughs> two Star Wars at the Lorehounds. Just, just a few centuries or millennia. <laughs> she says, I uh, hope this isn't too late. Looking forward to hearing your pod on the episode. Again, sorry for the book. She means this long episode or long email that she wrote. Thought I'd have time to write all my thoughts about Ahsoka and Anakin, but that's for another day. Uh, I'll use some time to explain my review of episode eight in the season. And yeah, Vanessa, definitely, you know, if you want to fire off a, another email, um, Revenge of the Sith would be a great uh, e uh, podcast for that because we're going to be talking a lot about Anakin and uh, his turn to the dark side. Annie, hold me how you did on Abu. Oh, God, just don't do that to me. <laughs> me shudder. Uh, Vanessa continues, the character development of an adult Ahsoka was so well written as it was in the Clone Wars. The experience of being in the world between worlds put her in a place where she was able to become Sabine's master as Anakin had been to her. It bears remembering that she was losing to Balin at the Henge, but she kicked him away and on the ground using that anger and the dark side. She did the same in a classic Anakin move to Shin when she thought that Sabine was dead. At the time, I could not understand why he was saying that she was inherently violent. I guess this is referring to Balin and just like her master until her experience with Anakin. Yeah. I, I liked all the dialogue between Ahsoka and Balin in, mm -hmm. in that whole scene. I think that's right. I, I mean, some of the best parts of the season were this introspective examination of Ahsoka and who she is and what her origin is. And so all that stuff really worked for me. And that's why I was so hot going into the season finale. Mm. Um, Vanessa continues, or unless Alicia, do you have anything to, to add? No, at this no. point. Okay. Um, Vanessa continues. My favorite quotes from the series are the ones from her fight with Balin, because that is why Anakin uh, brought her to him. Thrawn clarifying exactly what Balin was saying to her was brutal. He said that she would become a Ronin or she just called her a Ronin, I think, which I looked up and he was a Sith. Was there a, a Sith named Ronin? Oh, I don't I'm know. confused about Alicia, this. you're the Sith expert. I mean, not that I know of. So Ronin, I think when he you called her Revan, Ronin. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's that's what we're, I don't know. Yeah, that maybe makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was harsh and played with her fears, played on the fears that we saw in the first four episodes. Yeah. So Thrawn was definitely trying to um, provoke her into, you know, falling into a, a dark, uh, a dark space that would then probably um, make her make some bad choices. Um, she, um, yes. Oh, sorry. Just about the Ronin thing. Yeah. Um, wasn't that the name of the tie-in novel for that, uh, that visions episode that they did the duel? Mm. Okay. The duel. Right. Yes. Which was, yeah. Oh, interesting. I w I'd have to go. I think about that. That was in visions volume two. Uh, was volume, that volume one. one. Okay. Was that the very first episode? I think so. Yeah, okay, that was my and, one of my favorites. And according yeah. to Wikipedia, there was a non-canon Sith named the Ronin. Oh, interesting. Okay, right, but from so the Vanessa duel, from that, here. Okay. from that, from uh, that vision. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Because yeah. I didn't, I didn't even watch season vision season one, but I, I oh, watched like the very beginning of the first. Yeah, it's just it's time. But now I kind of have time, okay. so maybe I'll do it. 
Well, at least just watch the first episode of the first season because that's really yeah, I heard well, that my, best. Awesome. my favorite is, I think, the last one, The Ninth Jedi is my favorite. That is also a good one. I agree. I okay. concur. Uh, let's see here. Vanessa continues. She was angry, but she did not react because she knows that she is not and never will become Anakin. I, I agree with this. She's she's moved beyond. The experience with Anakin helped her accept the anger, the grief, the betrayal of what he became and still miss him, which will always leave the emptiness, but without the guilt. Uh, Alicia thoughts. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that one of the place, one of the areas where this show was most successful was in exploring Ahsoka's complicated feelings about mm-hmm. Anakin. Yeah. Can we and just make the done... live action Clone Wars? That's obviously what we all want here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please. Can we just do that? I mean, oh my gosh, young Ahsoka <laughs> was perfect. Please. <laughs> Uh, I, I really do think that Rosario Dawson was made to play. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's too. <laughs> that just the Ahsoka casting across the board has yeah, spot tens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, continuing seeing Ahsoka in live action at full fighting strength was fantastic. Agreed. She treated Ezra as a Jedi and not a Padawan and Sabine as a Palawan. Is that a thing as opposed to being a Padawan? Is this just a typo in her? I like Palawan. Let's keep okay. it. Okay. <laughs> My pal Owan, uh, who is officially a Mandalorian Jedi. Well, I mean, the Jedi Order doesn't exist. So a Mandalorian who's been trained in the ways of the Jedi. I mean, if you want to be technical about it, I guess. Um, continuing, I missed all of the times that she was practicing using the Force, although I'm fine with her lightsaber skills. She pushed Ezra midair onto the ship, which is an enormous amount of power, which again, when did this happen, right? So these are the yeah. questions, Vanessa, that you, we've been asking this whole podcast. Um, all right. Uh, continuing. The end was so moving as Anakin was watching Ahsoka as a Force ghost alone, perhaps with sadness and a small smile. Because she had come full circle. The amazing music as the camera pulls back and you see him watching her from afar. She gave him that slight nod, which said, I understand the lesson. And as she said to Sabine, it's time to move on. I knew when I saw Morai that he was going to show up in some way. I don't believe that he will ever be fully redeemed for his sins, um, which I'm referring to Anakin, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um what that means, I don't know, but I like to think that she sees the man who told Ahsoka time and time again that he would never hurt her and always asked, even when they saw each other for the last time, if she was okay. All right. So kind of a recitation on their relationship. John, any any thoughts about Anakin and, and Ahsoka's relationship? I mean, it's one of the best developed relationships in the whole canon. And mm-hmm, I hope right. we get more of it on live action. Again, I would watch a live action Clone Wars a hundred percent, but we don't need to recreate the Clone Wars I, uh, cartoon. I think that they could make it a really interesting story just following those two characters through the Clone Wars. And I bet you Ewan and would come Ventress. back. Yeah, get get a live action Ventress in there. Get Ewan McGregor. You, you got a studio. Yeah, on. right. All right. Um, Vanessa concludes the scene with Ezra landing and Chopper recognize him was bittersweet. Bittersweet. Hera was happy, but did she not see Ahsoka and Sabine? Uh, but what is Shin doing? The leader of the bandits now? I don't want him to kill Balin, mm. and I don't want him recast, as Ray Stevenson was so amazing in this character. It seems that there is a nexus of the world between worlds on this planet, as he was standing on the father's hand. 
I don't think this uh, that I don't think that has anything to do with Anakin showing up. But there's a lot to explore with Balin. I don't believe that we will see Anakin again, nor will we see a season two anytime soon. So who knows what will happen during all that time. Thanks for all the work you do. Thanks, Vanessa, for writing in. And, and again, if you want to take some time to write some more thoughts, definitely send us in uh, as for our next podcast. Any thoughts, uh, Alicia, on are we going to see Anakin again in a season two? When we do see a season two, assuming we do see one. Um, yeah, I mean, if they continue to use him tastefully and sparingly as they have, I would I would love to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm I'm pro recast, by the way. I want Balin's story to continue and I think Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. look I would love to have Ray Stevenson, but it's not an option, so we gotta do it. Yeah. We gotta recast. Right. Yeah. right. And we yeah, we definitely do not want a um digital version of him we need a we need a real human being don't don't do one of the biggest problems for me uh with uh with the you know episode nine is that they like why didn't you just let leia die when carrie exactly exactly especially since you put her in that you know they call it mary poppins in her way out of uh, her (laughs) space for death yeah yeah that that broke me in that that scene broke me it was just like why didn't you give her the de- a heroic death to yeah. mirror exactly. a real death. And that would have yeah. been exactly pow. so. And yeah, and the audience, you know, it's a catharsis. Yeah, for the exactly. fans. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they could honestly have had her still do the force pull inside to show that she was force sensitive mm-hmm. and then have her die while she was, you know, just you know, in recovery. That would have been fine right. with me. It's just yeah. like, yeah. It, all right. We're not here to relitigate the sequels. <laughs> yeah, right. We're not doing it. No, Stop but we are here. <laughs> We're always relitigating the sequels. Let's, let's reset here. Ahsoka, a Jedi. Maybe not, you'll see why. Ahsoka. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. The, we have Stop our, it from playing. Our, uh, our Zencaster, the platform we record on, keeps repeating our sounds for some reason. And <laughs> I guess it just needed more Ahsoka in its life. But hey, it's a groovy tune, so. Oh, yeah. All right. Lore master and regular Star Wars contributor Eric F. writes in, says, hey, guys, Anakin, in fact, did upgrade his armor behind the Emperor's back. After all, Anakin was a very skilled mechanic. Uh, So this is in relation to something that I think, John, you were talking about last episode about Anakin's armor being um, resistant to force lightning or I, I was saying it was vulnerable. But vulnerable. I guess I was wrong. Okay. Or I guess I think originally it was vulnerable. Yeah. Anyway, read right. the email. <laughs> Explain. The, the email yeah. is quite, quite, quite in depth. So um, I guess we'll just go into it here. He says um, he was limited in his ability to use force lightning due to his cybernetic limbs. The only limb that felt even close to natural to him was his right arm. That arm was given to him by the Jedi, not Sidious. Sidious being Palpatine. Sidious also did not construct his other limbs to function very well on purpose to limit Vader. The limbs that were provided by Sidious felt clunky, bulky, and were slow to respond to Anakin. This is partially because, unlike his right arm, his remaining limbs were not made from durasteel, but rather recycled parts from General Grievous. Oh, that's interesting. This material was obsolete pre-Clone Wars technology. This non-ability to completely control his limbs uh, has caused him to rebuild his lightsaber at least once as the arm would exude too much pressure and crush his lightsaber hilt. Seeing this, Vader adjusted the strength output of his limbs so he could have better control over them. 
These were minor improvements compared to the other upgrades that he made to the suit. Again, unbeknownst to Sidious, he upgraded the respiratory system and that allowed him to function in extreme environments, even in the vacuum of space. This is accomplished not only by filtration, but internal pressurized upgrades. This made him virtually immune to airborne biological weapons and toxins. Anyway, back to your theory. In my previous in the previous podcast, yes, Sidious did make the suit vulnerable to force lightning on purpose. He did this so if Vader ever turned on him, Sidious could end him with his weapon of choice. Sidious notoriously despised lightsabers. Vader knew of this vulnerability, and Sidious made no effort to hide it. In fact, he exploited it whenever he pleased. Vader attempted to compensate for this weakness by installing a form of insulation in the suit. While it didn't provide immunity, it did provide heavy resistance. As evidence, Vader was struck by a powerful dose of lightning by Starkiller on Kamino. While it damaged his cybernetics to the point where he could no longer fight, he survived. This upgrade is also is likely what enabled him to save Luke on the second Death Star by hurling Sidious to his apparent death. While he held Sidious, he was bombarded by Sidious's lightning, which was meant to be lethal. Um, he doesn't source all of this materials, but yeah. uh, does this uh, Alicia sound not that we're just Eric, we totally no, no, agree I your, mean, your accuracy, um, but what like where are we pulling all is this is this like a combination of books and other materials or is this a s- single source? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. Some of these details are new to me, but okay. I can't claim to have read absolutely everything. It is my goal to eventually, but there's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Laudable goal. Yeah. So I, 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 think will, I will say Star Killer is definitely a non canon thing, so there's definitely okay. a mix right. of canon right. and non canon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is all in line with Vader. This is all in line with Vader and Sidious's motivations. I think that's that's all cool stuff. I hope it's all true. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I guess I, I will need to go uh, do my citations on this. <laughs> <laughs> Footnotes, please. Um, Eric wraps up. I hope this didn't go too far down the rabbit hole, but you hit on a subject within Star Wars that has always fascinated me. Darth Vader. Since I first saw Vader on the big screen in 77, he's captivated my imagination and sparked my interest. More so than the Roman Empire, apparently, John. Wow. Um, wow. We have another another person who thinks about Vader as much as you do. <laughs> uh, as always, thanks so much for the wonderful work you guys do, not only in Star Wars, but all your podcasts. As stated previously, they are a much-needed distraction. Keep up the excellent work, fellows. Loremaster Eric F. Eric, thank you so much. You've been great with all your feedback this season of the show, and we really appreciate not only your patronage, Yeah, Eric's been doing work writing in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, much appreciated. Um, Marilyn R. Pakila, our favorite Tolkien scholar and all-around uh, fan of all things science fiction and fantasy, most things science fiction and fantasy. Uh, she says, so this is some... Um, a couple of bits from episode seven feedback, and then she's got some episode eight feedback all kind of combined into one. Uh, regarding the conversation about Aleister Crowley and magic, uh, I believe it was last episode. I don't mm-hmm. know. how. Why are we talking about Aleister Crowley in Star Wars? But anyway, that's what we do on the Lorehounds. <laughs> 
She says, you are right that Aleister Crowley was not the one who developed the contemporary practice of witchcraft or Wicca. Right. That was Gerald, Ger, Gerald Gardner. He based it on ceremonial magic with a massive sprinkling of British folklore, but there's no direct connection leading back to ancient times or pre-Christian practices. That was sort of a homegrown myth that is satisfying, but not documented. Uh, I tend to believe Marilyn when she calls these kinds of things out. No, it's true. Okay. <laughs> Very good. We have two two validations. Uh, lovely to hear that the last legion was referred to from one of the folks who wrote in. If you want a fictional account of that, read The Eagle of the Ninth by Rosemary Sutcliffe. She's my favorite historical fiction author for that time period, for that time period. And she also stretches way back to before the Celtic invasions of what we now call the British Isles and carries up all the way through 1066. Great writer, great material. She wrote probably what is my favorite version of the Arthurian legends using meticulous history with just a dash of magic and not spelled with the JK, but with okay. the GIC. <laughs> Uh, she continues, I found myself wondering what is the meaning of the title Dreams and Madness? I did find out that there was a documentary film uh, about Studio uh, Ghibli. Ghibli? What are we calling Ghibli. it? I, Ghibli. I, I say Ghibli. All right. You know what? I'm going to say Ghibli. I know in, in Japan they in say Japan, Ghibli. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you I, know I'm going to pronounce wrong. it the way it's they do. It's not a Japanese I'd, word. If you, go to, if you go to the studio that has that name, they say Ghibli. So that's what I'm saying. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> I hope that they know that they're pronouncing their name wrong. Some people call it a gif. Called the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. So perhaps they're referring to GIF. That <laughs> I'd love to hear your speculations or anyone else's. Do we know about the last episode's title, Dreams and Madness? Anyone? Bueller? I have no idea. Okay. I, don't I know. mean, I, yeah. There's been some vaguely like Shakespearean references and and yeah, they've been referencing all over, like uh lots of literary references this season. Yeah, Filoni's definitely uh pulling in all of his favorite in little bits and pieces and sprinkling it through for sure. You know, little known fact, he actually keeps, um, you know, pocket sized books within his cowboy hat. <laughs> and that's how he he's, he's like loyal, it. but instead of coat pockets, he has a cowboy hat. Yeah. From, from wheel of time. <laughs> Marilyn continues. I actually felt rather sorry for Shin Hattie. And I think Ahsoka did too. Talk about abandonment. Of course, Shin seems pretty disturbed and laser focused on power over the over destruction uh, on power and destruction. So she's probably not a very stable partner. Take your place in the coming empire. Does that mean that Balin does not want a place in the coming empire? Impatience for victory will, will guarantee defeat. Well, that sounds like a wise bit of advice for what we've seen of this woman. I hope her thread has a satisfactory conclusion. I think it's pretty conclusive that Balin doesn't want a coming empire. He wants to yep. break the yep. wheel, right? Yeah. I want to break the wheel. Yeah, Daenerys. Daenerys is here. Yep. <laughs> uh, continuing, I wonder if all those coffins were Night Sister bodies. There you go. There's a there's a, another um, person in line with that theory. And that the mothers were setting up to return to Dathomir to reanimate all the people who were slaughtered when they were taken over, if I'm remembering history correctly. I believe you are remembering history correctly. Is that uh, that's the case? And Alicia, I think you're, are you online with this, this theory? Um, well, I mean, I don't know about reanimate because mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they want, 
living, you know, Night Sisters, not the zombies, because they do have a lot of bodies there that you have yeah. to fight them in uh, in Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they're not they sentient, not, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you can reanimate. I don't think you could like put somebody's consciousness back into their body as a Night Sister. I think basically you can reanimate like Night of the Living Dead kind of stuff. Yet, yeah. Mm. But yeah. But, <laughs> oh my but god! I, if they do that, I swear to God, <laughs> I swear to the Force, I swear to the Father, the Son, and the Daughter, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting for again for me the line that was really interesting this episode was he woke up the great mothers. Yes. Yep. Yep. He found the place and he woke him up. So Yeah. Uh all right, I'm gonna jump down to her episode eight comments. Uh she says, found it interesting that the mothers did the whole gift of shadows ritual, which meant very little to me, but perhaps you can put it in context with Thrawn standing right there looking on and with no preparation or special castings, rather mm-hmm. a different approach to doing ritual from contemporary Wiccan practices. Uh, Alicia. It did also stand out to me that they let Thrawn just stand there and watch. It almost felt violating in a way that he was there with mm-hmm. this like sacred ceremony, but I was like, okay, uh, I, maybe that's just to show that, I mean, it makes sense from Thrawn's perspective because he is so interested in other cultures and in learning Mm, about mm -hmm. the ins and outs of other cultures. And I guess, you know, they they're like they're just used to the blue guy hanging around by now. They're like, okay, (laughs) we're not going to piss him off by sending him away. It doesn't matter. (laughs) They're a pretty tight relationship right now. I mean, he is giving him a lift and and, uh, they're making sure that he's protected. So or, or well informed, at least. So. I don't think that the witches of Dathomir practice Wicca, which first rule of Wicca is do right. no harm. <laughs> I, right. I'm not yeah. sure that they're practicing Good our point. real world Wicca over here. Um, Good point. Yeah. Different value set. Uh, continuing, very interested to see Balin gazing at the massive father statue with the son statue nearby, but no sight of the daughter. Is he going to be restoring the balance of the force or something? Is that the role that he has chosen for Shin and which she rejected without even knowing what it was. So I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. There's definitely some, some fun theory crafting that we can have there. Who's, who's going to be doing what? And I think it's pretty obvious that the, the daughter is missing. And so there's a, mm-hmm. the, things are out of balance, right? Is that the indication? Do you think that's why he was, well, no, he did try to kill Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. He absolutely did. Yeah. He pushed her off a cliff. So he must not know that she has the daughter in her. Otherwise I think he would not want her dead. But that's when she was the gray and still, but she still had the daughter in her. She's had the daughter Mm -hmm. in her since the Mortis Ark of Clone Wars. True. Even though she was very Anakin in that moment, she was living in the side of her fear. So, yeah. All right. What if, Mm. yeah, go, no, what if, would no, what if Anakin is a stand in for the sun, but is it, does it work if the sun has been redeemed? Hmm. Well, he was he was offered the role of the father previously, right? I don't know. I it's all wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Just ba- just give Balin me give me some people. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, someone pointed out that the owl-like bird Morai is a representation of the daughter. So maybe this is the path that they'll take to restoring the daughter and bringing balance to the Force. Because Ahsoka is tied so closely to Morai, it may well be that she's going to play a central role in this. It seems as though a review of the Mortis arc in Clone Wars would be rewarding for those of us who know very little about it. 
Yes, it would be. <laughs> There's yeah, for, a lot for the record. Ahsoka was dead, dead. Like she was not breathing. She was dead, dead. And the daughter was like, I got this. And she she gave mm. up her life to save Ahsoka. She put her life force inside Ahsoka. So the right. life force of the daughter is currently inside Ahsoka. Interesting. On her Wikipedia right. article, it actually says died on this date, uh, you know, back on, you know, still alive now on her second lifetime. Interesting. Okay. Well, there's definitely lots of interesting stuff that they can do with the lore here in the story. All right. Marilyn concludes definitely a good ending episode for the season, but only if there's a season two to follow it. And I really do. I really don't want to have to wait for movies to come out and all that sort of thing. But I suppose that'll depend upon about what happens with the actors guild. Someone somewhere commented that this was the most fantasy like that Star Wars has ever been. I would tend to agree with that. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't know that I'd call it fantasy. I'd be more like mythic or spiritual. I think this is the most spiritual Star Wars that well, I've seen. But it's, it's right. got magic. It's got straight up magic. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's got Night Sisters, it's got Force, it's got World Between Worlds. I mean, it's it's certainly more magical than sci-fi. Or um, Andor. On, on the, yeah, on the, on the balance of things, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know, Alicia. I, I don't also want to end up waiting, having to wait for movies that are question marks as well. Right. Um, I'm, I really do hope we get some more seasons of television. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, I hope I hope they just go ahead and announce us. Just tell us what's coming next. What and um, yeah. yeah. Tomorrow, uh, Kathleen I want that. Kennedy's going to tweet, just canceled Dave Filoni's movie, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, I understand there's some carefulness around concluding the negotiations for the Actors Guild, but at this point, if they're not concluding those negotiations, then it's just ridiculous, right? And, and there is something really broken. So, all right, Marilyn, thank you so much for all of your emails uh, this season. And Marilyn was on the, the discords earlier chatting away with stuff. So um, it is a good old time with the Lorehounds here. Lastly, our good friend uh, and lore master, Peter O.H., who's not written in for a while, so kind of good to get an email from him. He says, I just watched the season finale last night. Overall, really enjoyed the season. I have not watched Rebels except for the very last episode, but honestly, I preferred listening to you guys summarize everything beforehand anyways. Well, <laughs> that's nice. Thanks, Peter. Um, even still, I don't think that there was an issue with enjoying the show without being familiar with rebels to be blunt. Disney would never make a show that does not appeal to the maximum amount of people possible. Is that a, <laughs> a little bit of a jaded, uh, positive? Is that kind of a, you know, it's a, a nice way of saying that they're Disney's kind of craven. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think they've they've taken some risks, but I hope that they lean into that even more. That they, I wish that Andor had done better financially to yeah. prove a point. Mm. It would have been it would have been nice. I think that people and I remember at the beginning, a lot of people were wary of getting into Andor. They were like, "Oh, is right. this okay? You know, is this going to be any different than what we've seen before?" So uh, that definitely made Andor a slow burn. Peter continues, I like the theme of Master and Apprentice that permeated the whole season. The concept of the Jedi Order churning out child soldiers was not something that had occurred to me before, and I found it fascinating. 
Anakin was a victim of this. He in turn played a part in doing the same thing to Ahsoka. I was happy to see ghost Anakin and Ahsoka confront these issues and experience some personal growth in that regard. Not so sure what's in store for Shin. To me, she has the look of a traumatized person. It would be interesting Mm. to know her backstory. I never get the sense that Balin Skull truly cared about her well-being. John, you've been pretty consistent about uh, relating to Shin as uh, somebody who's probably come from a a rough, um, living rough for a while. I see all the Reddit comments going, I can fix her. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I think think she's probably very much someone who was you know picked up off of a bad situation by Balin saying all right come with me I'll show you how to take care of yourself right yeah uh and it doesn't seem he he cut her loose real easy real quick uh, mm-hmm. he didn't even really try that. well but I or set her free to do eh, what she wanted to do good point but you you see this pattern in the real world too right which is somebody lacks something in childhood and needs to hoard it in adulthood you right. you know you lack power in childhood you have you have nothing in childhood you need to hoard power in adulthood and that's what she's trying to do now she's she's grown up and she's trying to make sure that she will never end up vulnerable again right yeah that's what it feels like that's what they've for what they've given us so, so. she can't say ahsoka help me because that's being vulnerable right right she needs to go through some um go through some things before she can get there so. Right. She needs to go through the Anakin Skywalker school for hard knocks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Peter continues. It's a shame that Ray Stevenson passed. His character had an interesting arc. The final scene of him standing on the cliff looking cool didn't really explain anything. No, it certainly did not. But it was a very nice visual tribute to the actor. Hmm, This is an interesting uh, take. I think Balin Skull was created specifically to cater to the middle-aged dad demographic, LOL. Well, it oh. worked on me. Uh, I hope the character doesn't start showing up in memes posted by boring older dudes letting you know how loyal but dangerous they are. You know, the ones they feature a popular character like Tommy Shelby, the Joker, Don Draper, or Tony Soprano. It's usually someone you're not really supposed to idolize, LOL. But I digress. Homelander. I love <laughs> I love uh, going on the boys subreddit and you see people who like take Homelander seriously and like want to admire him oh, and you're like, oh, you missed the point you of the show. The point. Yeah, rewatch that. <laughs> Has anybody started Gen V yet? I have not. I mean, not to, yet. but uh, you know, yeah. I've I heard some criticism that it's just you know studio uh, driven. You know, there's concerns that it's oh it's just a studio driven storyline. But then other people have been chatting that it's actually not so bad. So, yeah, I've I mean, heard given that things. it's the boys. Yeah. So. But you hear mixed things about everything, right? And like I heard mixed right. things about a all season. And I was having a great time, and right. uh, yeah. so yeah, I there don't know. Go. I don't know. Same thing with um, you know Loki is having mixed reviews going in. I've seen things on both sides really? and i don't know yeah i saw alan sevenwald like was just like this sucks yeah but that's alan uh, sevenwald. yeah, yeah I he's know. always he's, so he's, negative he's cranky he's cranky you can't take him at, at face value yeah but i think alicia you've been hearing good th- and and i uh, fingers yeah. crossed because we're doing full coverage um you me and jean so stick around for yeah, that no podcast. i i yeah no i'm excited for it and and what i've seen so far of like the previews just the way that they're cut together it seems like they are still leaning into like you know let's let's make this quirky and and pay attention to the details and 
that season one uh, recap remix that you posted mm-hmm. the other day, that was wild. That was an amazing piece of, of editing. That was very cool. Yeah, if they if they keep that energy, I am happy. Right. May all your dreams come true this season. <laughs> That's my wish to you. I'm so sorry that you ducked back in for Secret Invasion. I know. I picked the wrong things. thing. <laughs> I picked the wrong thing. To, I was like, you know what? We're doing it on the network. I'm going to give it a shot. And it was just the wrong thing to come back for. <laughs> all right. Peter uh, wraps up. Random thought. Do all Force Ghosts reside in the same realm or are there heaven and hell versions of the world between worlds? Well, I was happy to see Anakin reject the dark side at the end of episode six. There's the matter of him murdering loads of children. He can be very sorry all he wants, but he should suffer some consequences. (laughs) My take is definitely a Western outlook on morality. I know Star Wars borrows a lot from Eastern traditions, which may differ. Interested to hear your thoughts. John? Yeah, and there's there's things in between too, right? Like there's there's beliefs within Judaism of, you know, you 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 stay in hell as long as it takes you to repent for your sins, then you move on to the world to come. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's in-betweens of that. You don't need to like only have one, you know, the eternal damnation or, or reincarnation. But I think, uh, I don't know. I think, I think this Star Wars is so weird about, about eschatology. Um, it is so like, I guess there's a cosmic force and a living force. Most people go into the, I guess everybody goes into the cosmic force, but there's a way to, there's a way to retain your individuality within the cosmic force. And that's what people like Qui-Gon and, and Yoda and Obi-Wan and Anakin have done. I, I don't think there can be separate things because the force is supposed to be one thing. Right. So I don't mm-hmm. think there can be separate places. I think they are just floating within the mm-hmm. uh, cosmic the- force. And then they decide to manifest one day. And that's, that's where they are. Right. Uh, he continues, I was surprised that Sabine's actions earlier in the season didn't have major consequences for her, although I suppose that could be revisited in future. It's a bit unrealistic that Ezra doesn't appear to be aware of how things transpired, but I'm willing to overlook that. Um, was this a pretty, did you have a pretty relaxed approach to this as well, Alicia? This, you know, mm, you know, there's some things here, but we're just kind of bypassing them in the storyline. Um, I mean, I, I think this is goes back to what I say. I keep waiting for, I want more answers. I want uh, to show that there's thought and that it all ties together. And maybe that's not a reasonable expectation for me to have, but I do find myself craving it. Right. Fair enough. Um, Peter finishes up as always appreciate the content and all of the, uh, of all of the contributors. Uh, thanks for the stickers. You got one of our one-year special anniversary stickers. And I look forward to yet another year of superb discourse. Regards, Peter. Peter, good to hear from you. Thank you for yeah. writing in. It's been a while since we've heard from him. So Good to hear from you as always, Peter. And uh, boy, it's been a long night. We got to wrap this podcast up. <laughs> we do. Alicia, Alicia what by the time way, did... is it where you are? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's 420. Woohoo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thanks for hanging. You got in some there. spice over there. Yeah. It's uh yeah. <laughs> did your mom bring you a sticker? I'm going to make like a hobbit. And yes, I did just get my stickers too. Yay. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So we're going to just do a, an abbreviated outro here really quick. Um, check out properly Howard movie review for Anthony and Steve who do uh, movie reviews and they're doing a bunch of, uh, remake movies. They just did a great podcast on Cape Fear, 
really interesting conversation about Scorsese and um, what's his name, De Niro, and and a whole bunch of other things. So even if you haven't seen the movie, it's it, it's a well worth the conversation about a lot of modern concepts, and it was good. Um, Alicia, what is going on with Wool Shift Dust? Um. Yeah, well, first I, I have to share some sad news, actually, oh, um, no. that, um, you know, my co-worker, my uh, co-host for the book club has yeah. uh, long shared their battle, yeah. ongoing battles, medical, and um, that's come to an end. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm very um, sorry to hear that. So the book club will be continuing, just going to take a beat and, and yeah. uh, figure out, but we are going to be continuing with Silo and also... In Hugh Howie Land, Beacon 23 is going to be starting up in November. So Luke and I are going to be covering that. And I do plan to cover the book in the book club as well. So there'll be no more news of that coming up. And also um, there will be, yeah, the Dune um, the Dune Wait, coverage is going to be sprinkled throughout. Okay. So what's Beacon 23? That's a TV series? That is, a yeah, that's a new TV series that's okay. now going to be on MGM+. Plus, um, and it's also... <laughs> what? Uh, based... <laughs> on where? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make <laughs> that, fun of the show. Thing. I'm just trying to, yeah. <laughs> I actually happen to already be a subscriber to MGM+, Plus because they have a lot of, like, the period dramas. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's uh, based it's on the Huawei book. Okay, cool. So... Yeah, that's great. That's exciting. Okay, cool. We'll look forward to that. And uh, and you've had and, some other and things. And also, uh, and also in October, of course, the um, there'll be some coverage of the fall of the House of Usher. Yes, right. and uh, right. you got to talk with Anthony a little bit about that as well. Right, right. You got to cross yeah. the pods. So right, and when this comes out, there should also be a little blurb from um, in in uh, the Electric Bookaloo episode about uh, Wheel of Time. Uh, talking with Anthony. Very cool. Very cool. And you've got more plans on the horizon for the next year. Right. So um, mm-hmm. we're just, mm-hmm. we're all eagerly waiting for your news. So let us know when you're ready. Uh, <laughs> right. But I know things got to cook before you bring them out, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. bring out uncooked. We're wool shift stands, you know, we, we got right. <laughs> big time. John, would you please kindly run down our thank yous for our lore masters? I would love to. That's Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Dove 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, Sub-Zero, and Adrian. Woo. Yes. Thank you all so very much for your support, your patronage, um, and your good listens. Uh, I think we're going to cut loose now and, and, uh, (laughs) just keep it simple. Thank you, Alicia, for staying up and spending this time with us. Thank you for the lore bomb emails. They were so awesome all season. And, uh, it's just been great having you as part of our community and your insights to all this good stuff. So, much appreciation. Happy to be here. Yeah. Now, hopefully you can <laughs> get some rest. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at The Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.